What's up, everybody? This is Greg. I'm the host of the Polite Disagreements podcast, and you are listening to the Just Conversation podcast. Warning. This program contains strong themes meant for a mature audience. Discretion is advised. Going live in five, four. What does live mean? Uh. Huh? Welcome to the Just Conversation Podcast, the show where we ground humanity's most absurd and baffling ideas in childish ways. I'm your host, Jack. And I'm your host, Christina. And if you haven't yet, remember to hit that subscribe button to get notified the second new episodes are released. Also, this show is most enjoyable with a listening partner to share opinions and ideas on topics we discuss. Yes! And uh, just find somebody to listen to it, and uh, hopefully it's somebody who can tolerate really weird, complicated, antagonistic, thought experiment-y conversations, because this episode is packed with that. Packed with experiments? Yes. We have a, a quite an interesting guest today, and it is Greg from the Polite Disagreements podcast, a show where some friends come together and they have some real, genuine, interesting, fascinating discussions, open-ended, wherever it goes, it goes. But the main piece here is that they are actual lifelong friends. And it feels like they are friends. It, it feels like they're friends because they are. A lot of podcasts have this sort of artificialness to them mm. where maybe it's people who've known each other for a couple of years. But they want to create the atmosphere that they're intrinsically, granularly comfortable with each other in every possible facet, which is something that is not true. Yeah, and it feels like it's more businessy than it should be, even though it's it is supposed to be friends yes. talking to each other. It's not really because they're so focused on what they're talking about that they know they have to talk about and it's like yes they have to stick to some sort of roadmap instead of just just be silly just be you just be normal mm -hmm. and you create that because a lot of them want to be like oh candid discuss it's not candid no it's not you want to create the atmosphere of candid discussion mm -hmm. but it doesn't always happen but it does with these people it does with the polite disagreements podcast That's they are real friends that's so cool. It it really is, because you really have that. It's like any time, which again, even gets referenced on the show, but when Joe Rogan has a homie, and they just, he stops being an intellectual who speaks to other intellectuals, and they just become children. Yes. And yeah. it's like, you can get that real feeling with polite disagreements. Mm -hmm. It is- Just homies. Just homies. Yes. And I 100% love that about them. And- Talking to Greg, I have found that man, what an interesting guy. He mm -hmm. he's he falls he's somewhere the smart weird. guy. He's the smart friend, I think that Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the smart one. Which is interesting because he's it's hard to even pin down like he's like neutral good or something like that. Like he's lawful neutral. Okay. Right? So he's still looking for the best without without leaning on the good. He's looking for the best without trying to be good. Okay. Like, whatever's collectively better for everybody without me having to go out of my way to be a good guy to do it. Okay. And that's what again? That's n lawful neutral, I'm lawful guessing. Lawful neutral, okay. Like, I'm just mm -hmm. chaotic evil, let's be real. Or at at minimum, I'm chaotic neutral. I yeah. think we landed, uh, fair enough, I'm not, like, actively doing evil. Yeah, I think we figured it wasn't chaotic. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I think I'm, I'm chaotic neutral. Chaotic neutral, okay. In a conversation with lawful neutral. Hmm, okay. Fascinating. Fascinating. I like that a lot. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Greg. 
You can find all the links for Polite Disagreements on, uh, you know, all the usual places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, and the places. And you can also find them on Instagram at Polite Disagreements Podcast. And uh, also their email, which is... I don't know. It's. I think it's the same thing. Polite disagreements at, dream, at, at gmail. gmail. At gmail. Polite yep. disagreements at gmail. And they gmail. might write you back. They <laughs> might or might not write you back. Anyways, this is uh, Greg, and I hope you very much enjoy the conversation that I had with him that gets weird and actually revisit some old topics that we even had with uh, Brendan because we got into it pretty early and, uh, you know, some good old disturbing discussions. Yeah, yeah. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi. Hi. I've heard a lot about that. I, th- I think part of it too is uh, I- I've, as I've gotten older and uh, like I don't know what to do with my job, it's a, it's a lot more sedentary. So maybe I just, uh, it- it's the only thing that's keeping me from-, from becoming a big fat badass. On the flip side, uh, because your job requires so much thought power, uh, <laughs> thinking burns the most calories out of any activity. There's no exercise you can do that burns more calories than thinking. So you probably wouldn't gain weight regardless. Yeah, so you're telling me like if I sat there and worked on uh, writing something like a, a legal brief for for four hours, I'm going to burn more calories than if I ran a marathon. Yeah, think about how many fat people are writers, and how many fat people are scientists, and how many fat people are lawyers, and how many fat people are doctors. Have you met one? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've met a few. <laughs> like truly, truly obese. Anecdotally, yeah, a few. I mean, and also the first person that you say when I like it, when you're doing that spiel, the first person I could think of was George R. R. Martin, and I feel like he's not the most uh, interesting. Most, but um, also, would we say his work so, has the most thought going into it? Yeah, man. Oh, if you want to get into this, I am. I am a huge Game of Thrones uh, fan, and uh, I don't know if you how much you've listened to our podcast, but uh, I don't get to get into it very often because a couple of my uh, friends, co-hosts, whatever you want to call them, are uh, are very anti Game of Thrones. So I, why I are you not okay? Let's get into it. I again, this this is your stage, bro. You want to talk about some Game of Thrones? Convince me. I've dodged it intentionally. All I know is the Red Wedding is because people didn't shut the fuck up about it. Guide me through <laughs> it. Why should I be paying attention to this Dungeons and Dragons drama? <laughs> so you started off with a spoiler. I like that. Uh, <laughs> like the so, biggest spoiler too. <laughs> Yeah, and I, for first things first, I don't think it's not really so much like a Dungeons and Dragons drama because I, I'm a fairly big D and D player myself as well. And the big difference is Game of Thrones is a lot more of like political subterfuge and uh, like war, like the the realities of war and the uh, inner inner family politicking in like a medieval realm. Like the fantasy is almost just like a convenient backdrop or a way that gives it extra flavor it's not primarily like a dungeons and dragons swords and sorcery story but uh i, I think the the allure of it is it's the storytelling it's all from uh first person character uh first person like uh multiple point of view characters that all have very distinct voices and are all giving a very distinct and interesting point of view to the story uh, so besides just the texture of the story being so interesting and, and uh, it's intense, like if you're if you're into like very detailed, 
very complicated interweaving plot lines on top of the fantasy genre that's that's kind of what it is it's like it's kind of almost uh if you're super into fantasy it's like what christopher nolan's dark knight uh batman series did to like the superhero genre where for a while you can get out of the grittiness and the real over reality it, i feel like george george R. R. martin did that to the fantasy genre with game of thrones you just made it too dark and real and then yeah. interesting question are you a fan of lord of the rings yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, I'm a fantasy fan. That's like the when growing up, that was the first thing that I read in the fantasy genre. Now I'm, I'm God hooked. damn, you made it through those books. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other thing is when when you're uh, just starting off or you're a, a kid, you don't know wh- what else there is out there. So they are they're they're tough to get through now compared to other things. Fair enough. Like I don't. I guess I, we have very different backgrounds when it comes to, like, reading, jumping into the reading world. I read some pretty basic things when I was younger, but, like, when I really got into it, like, the first big impactful thing was Fight Club. So, like, <laughs> I'm jaded as fuck in response to that. Yeah, uh, that's a whole, like, if you're talking about gritty reality, Chuck Palahniuk, man, that's, uh, I never read Fight Club. I read, um, there. I can't remember what the, the story is. It's, it's, uh. A book about a group of people that are stuck in a house, and it goes into a bunch of vignettes about basically the, fucked up things that happen to them. They're telling stories, haunted. I think that might be it. Yeah. There's, there's like a, there's some seriously messed up stuff in there. There's one of the stories was uh, a story about like a a kid, like a twelve, thirteen year old boy, and he liked to masturbate in his pool because he liked the way the filter felt on his ass when it when he did it. Yeah, and it ended up, and it ended up sucking his intestines out through his rectum mm-hmm. and then uh the, the, the uh, if we've gone too far this is pretty messed up but this is chuck palinuk's story not mine but the real, <laughs> the real the real coup de gras of that disgusting story was i think uh, he impregnated his sister based on coming in the pool <laughs> yeah that's very <laughs> Look, that ain't even you think that's dark. Um what I would recommend from Chuck Palahniuk, who's <laughs> probably the most disturbed writer in existence. Mm-hmm. I would strongly suggest Beautiful You. Yeah, I haven't re- that the Haunted was almost too much for me, so I had to like uh, maybe I'll I go mean, back eventually. People passed out, dude. There were people puking in audiences when he was oh, reading that. That's I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah. He people lost consciousness. People were vomiting. It was ridiculous. Over him just reading a book on stage. Yeah. Uh, so, what I'm not, I don't know if I'm into just like it's almost like hostile. Like it's just it, you're you're in it to see how gross. Oh yeah, it's aggressive for no reason. Uh. So what what was so messed up in that book that people were passing out from it? <laughs> some you, of the I stuff just, you're describing I bro just told, i just went we were five minutes into this podcast and i just explained that story <laughs> you, you got you gotta go next the one you told is the one that had people breaking oh i just went right there well uh to everybody and maybe i don't have the uh the delivery reading ability the delivery <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of chuck palinuk so if anybody's just waking back up after i just gave that story sorry about that <laughs> i didn't know the power that was in those words i mean no there's power in, in his words okay so are, are you are we saying that i should revisit chuck palinuk yes or, you or don't no? want something <laughs> as intense based on what you said you don't want to move forward from haunted and <laughs> beautiful you that would be moving forward from Haunted. So don't move forward from Haunted. Move, take a couple of steps back where it's still pretty fucked up. Mm-hmm. And read Choke. 
Yeah, it seems like Fight Club would probably be a good place to start. Unrelated to everything else he's ever written. Hmm. Interesting. So yes. does that mean it's not a good place to start then? No, that's the greatest thing he's ever written. But oh, okay. <laughs> if you're thinking absurdist intensity, you're not mm-hmm. going to get that from Fight Club. Got you. Okay. Fight Club yeah. is the only story he's written that's entirely based on nothing but pure philosophy. Hmm. So, like, that's yeah. a beautiful place to start, but it's talking, it's just societal commentary. Got you. And so, it, I gotta say, too, it's also entirely on my my roommate for turning me on to the wrong book to start with Chuck Ballard, because I was like, oh, yeah, I, I dig Fight Club. It's, it's an awesome movie. I've never read the book. Should, should I start with that, or should I read one of his other books? He was like, read this one. And uh, <laughs> I was, like, reading it, looking over at the other side of the room, like, what is wrong with you? Why would you do this to me? A hundred percent. What, your friend was trolling you. <laughs> he might he made a bit i i gotta i gotta follow him up a little bit about yeah, that yeah <laughs> no that's a messed up direction to say he sent you to one of the hardest things to read like right off the bat yeah and and like to completely spoil this book that's not even it's it's like a variety of super messed up things there's one where like somebody's killing people in san francisco by bouncing a bowling ball down this down the street and they don't know what's happening because people are just showing up splattered uh there's there's one somehow for some reason they eat somebody like and there's a pretty descriptive uh, portion of the book about like how they butcher the person up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, and it's all based on a bunch of writers who went to this getaway to learn how to write yes. stories. Yes, that's the frame story. I, I, it's like, yeah, because all the events that are happening, it's not easy to tell whether they're based on true events or according to the writers that are in the getaway. It's not possible to tell whether what they're talking about really happened or if it's just something they've made up. And I guess that's sort of the uh, the point where you're not really t- – are, are you writing fiction or nonfiction or like – Who knows? Maybe this is a bunch of degenerates where they just have overactive imaginations. Exactly, exactly. Now, okay. So how – just to throw a question in there. How the hell did you guys end up podcasting in the first place? I need to <laughs> understand what got you guys to say this is what we're going to do. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it back, by the way. My, I'm sure my uh, friends, co-hosts, co-podcasters are probably listening to me like, this motherfucker, the first thing he does is come on and talk about Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have we had to ask him? Uh, so it actually didn't even start as a podcast. It was kind of in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, so my, co- my co-host, friends, podcasters, we're, we're, our, our thing is we're best friends from childhood. We've known each other uh, for me and Dan uh, we've known each other literally since he was born uh, and basically have grown up together. And we kind of were like, hey, let's let's just do video calls to to catch up and see how everybody's doing. Like, I've, I'm lonely. <laughs> it's the pandemic. And then um, one of one of our other friends, Mark, who he started the podcast with us, he's he uh, he's he stopped after a little bit. He was like, Dude, let's make this a podcast. And you're like, uh, OK, I mean, like, what do you. <laughs> what what do you mean a podcast like how do you want to do this like who cares about what we're talking about and he was like well we all have pretty diverse like interesting opinions about things um and so it actually started as we were going to like weigh in on topics it's like everybody bring our own unique perspective to whatever thing we were going to talk about uh that that day or like whether it be like i don't know the capital riots or so like uh ro- robots taking over the world reaching the singularity whatever it could be because we all have different professional backgrounds i guess you could you could say uh and he was kind of into that idea and then we started it and i was like mark uh you're saying we have different unique opinions we're like we are five 
30 year old white guys that all grew up within literally a mile of each other. <laughs> this is the least diverse set of opinions that has ever existed on the planet. <laughs> um, and my, my other thing is like, I, I'm like, I, I'm an attorney. That was part of his thing is like, I'm an attorney. He's, he does uh, IT. One of our friends is like in finance. Somebody's another one's an engineer. So like all like professional backgrounds, but like, I, I'm not an, I'm not an expert on the law in general. Nobody cares about what I have to say about, I like Citizens United. <laughs> so we decided that uh, we were much more interesting just bullshitting as friends. Like if, if we were going to have a podcast, it's you feeling like you're one of the one of the group. Like we've we've yes. had so much fun hanging out with each other for 20 years. That, that is uh, quite literally the feel that the show gives. It is a bunch of guys hanging out. And as the conversation moves forward, you feel like you're one of the guys hanging out. And if you could scream and you guys hear us, that would be astounding. But it's a podcast, obviously. That's how involved it feels because it's so casual. You don't feel <laughs> there's a formality to it. And that's actually what interested me in the first place. A lot of people try to recreate that feeling mm -hmm. by force. <laughs> like, let's create the atmosphere that we're close friends and it's like this and that. And it's like... It doesn't feel as natural as people who have just always been that comfortable with each other. Mm -hmm. And you guys have yeah. that genuine energy going on. It's, it's great to hear you say that. It, to be honest, like I hadn't, I haven't really asked for too much feedback. So it's nice to hear that you, somebody who's never met any of us, feels that way. So yeah, and uh, it's called polite disagreements because uh, as you've heard from uh, listening to it, we don't have a problem telling each other uh, that we're wrong or full of shit. But or... that's, yes, oh, that's <laughs> exactly what makes the show so good. If you're not the closest of friends, you always kind of want to force mm. civility tiptoe around it yes but if you're like truly close friends like the things you guys probably say to each other off of a microphone <laughs> i can yeah, only imagine I, there's a reason it's off microphone yeah exactly <laughs> the things yeah, true friends say to each other is way yeah. darker we're uh, we're so comfortable telling each other we're wrong that my, my friend Anthony has actually made a made a subsection of the podcast to tell tell us what we got wrong the, the week before. <laughs> That's beautiful to, to to go about. What how what are the chances you guys just ended up on something like again? People try to imitate what you guys just have. It's a Thanks, feeling man. you produce naturally. Yeah, and I've kind of always said like I. The, this was like a reluctant thing to me. Like I'm the host now, but it's just because uh, Mark, who, who is the one who decided to start all this, he uh, he has chronic Lyme disease. So uh, yeah, after we started it, between like a recording schedule and being able to like keep up with the editing and stuff, he just couldn't. Uh, he decided to bow out. It was too much with uh, going back to work. Uh, so I was like, I mean, I guess I'll host, and we weren't sure how long we were going to keep it up for. But uh, honestly, it's it's just. It's just like hanging out with my best friends every week. Since it's, it's, uh, I think we all look forward to it every week. Yeah, you get it's not just that you get to hang out and that you feel right, but like it's cathartic, you know. Mm -hmm. For you get away from it's. I guess it is that it's like when you're teenagers and you're like, oh, let's hang out after school or some shit. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's and that maybe same maybe we revert to it a little bit. <laughs> but that's the best feeling, isn't it, to have that casual thing going on? Now. All of that being said, the reason mm -hmm. you specifically were recommended is because I said, send me whoever has 
won the strongest will, whoever can, whoever's the most intelligent by your guys' own determination, whoever can have a, a intellectual, albeit probably very childish conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think the last part maybe is the thing that applies most to me. I, I'm, I'm happy to go as childish as you want to. Uh, I was actually the second choice, though, because before you gave the list of criteria, they were, we were like, oh, Dan's the funniest. Uh, <laughs> he should be the one to go. And he was like, I can't make it. And then uh, I'm, I'm the number two. So I, I'm maybe I'm the most childish and the second funniest. So I'll take that. Fair. Would you say you are the most intelligent in the bunch? <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even matter if that's a true statement, right? Like that's the answer you'd give. Yeah. I and mean, no one's here to refute me either. So we're, we're good. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Now, how comfortable are you with completely uncomfortable conversations with complete strangers? Um, I would say I'm pretty comfortable. Are you, you going to test me today? I, fi I figured that's what I was coming here to do a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. I usually dive into those things. Usually yeah, the most uncomfortable things. <laughs> I listen to a little bit. Uh, I, I, so it, for, for the listeners, this was a really quick turnaround. Uh, I think you, you pinged like yesterday and we were like, Hey, uh, does anybody not have a life? Are they available on a uh, Friday at 6 p.m.? <laughs> and, and, and you, you got me, <laughs> but, uh, I, 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 perused you a little bit and uh yeah I'd, I'd say i'm ready for some uncomfortable conversation i wanted to to uh to challenge you on one of your uh fire oh uh, god yes shoot opinions. what do you got you have something uh, to question me on what that's a first yeah this um i think it might be from your most recent episode because i just like powered it up and started listening on spotify uh you you were i think talking about if uh if the power grid went down yes and you were like for sure 30 days people are resorting to cannibalism Tell ya. I think that's a little bit of a. Uh, a, a oh no, non, that's an exaggeration. Not for a, sure. not a conservative estimate. I I think I think we're better than that. No, I think definitely that's an exaggeration for sure. But mm -hmm. I, it, within inside of a city, mm -hmm. you think about how many people are inside of a city and how much food you need to grow outside of the city and bring into the city. How mm -hmm. much? How long are we going to give before all the food within the city has been hoarded? And then the people who don't have it have no option but to kill the next guy. Hmm. And you, I think you said it was like a month. I think within a month. Because you got to think about, one, all the food that's going to spoil right off the bat. Bread hmm. is going to go bad. Anything that's just already opened is going to go bad. Certain sweets and things will go bad pretty quickly. So you're left with anything that has a crazy large expiration date, which is exactly what people are going to hoard immediately when they know shit's about to hit the fan. You say in the first two weeks people hoarded everything, then you got the next two weeks of people eating whatever they had left. Mm -hmm. And then well, what? I, I, think it's, I think it's really funny that, that, one, I think this reveals about you like an inherent pessimism because your, your first thing is like, power goes out, we're all going to start fucking killing each other. That's how it's going to work. <laughs> Fair <laughs> like, enough. So, um, a more optimistic person could have been like, we're human beings. We've been, we've been accustomed to societies making them work for thousands, thousands, not on thousands of years. We, we band together to form something from the ashes, find a way to become a more agrarian society again, and live in harmony. <laughs> Look, I would so agree with that. Say that. I would 100% agree with that. We're going to migrate out to the plains. We're, we're all going to go back to our roots. That's or, where it falls apart. It could be the fucking purge in that we're all killing each other, eat each other within But that's weeks. my point, right? <laughs> what are the odds you're going to get everybody who's used to living in a city to unanimously agree that we're all going to go to the farms and work them? And not only that. Everything just went out. Everybody hoarded. The rest of us who are left, right? We're just going to go. We're going to go to the farms, right? How long does it take to grow food? Mm -hmm. 
Oh, so you're saying it, it might work long term, but just the immediate uh, the desperation is going like, to shut that down. Yeah, like if we could we could make it for six months, we might be okay, but we're not going to be able to make it six months because the for, immediate starvation is going to stop us from getting that far. Survival is going to kick in before kindness does. So uh, let me let me ask you then, because I don't know if you guys got into this. If you personally were in that situation. What's your move? What are you doing? So you're so I, I don't know where you're where you're at physically right now, but like I'm in I'm in Washington D.C. Right, the, su- the suburbs. I'm inside the D.C. Beltway. I'm actually in Northern Virginia, but it's technicality. I, I think my first move is to just load up on whatever I can grab and just like head out to like maybe a, a little bit safer of a of a distance, or like maybe try to like go set up in Homestead somewhere in the middle Hell of nowhere. Yeah. Like I said on the episode, first thing I'm doing is getting like two backpacks. Running mm-hmm. to the nearest store, even if I have to pay for it, I'm like, shit, just hit the fan. Maybe people aren't entirely sure what's happening. I'm going to stock up on candy bars because <laughs> that lasts the longest amount of time. It has a crazy <laughs> lifetime and you can have them in individual wrappings. Mm-hmm. So you can open one without opening all the others, which means mm-hmm. even if you're starving and malnutrition, you still have something to keep you from dying. <laughs> so you just – Pack a book bag with as many candy bars as you can, nuts of any type, uh, any candy bar, anything that has an expiration date that's more than like three, four months. That's gotcha. small and you can open it in individual packages so you can stretch it out as long as possible without to have to finish anything quickly. Mm-hmm. And preferably Twinkies because of how much fat and sugar that has. And then just take off into the middle of fucking nowhere. Find a river. Mm-hmm. That way you don't have to worry about water because how long before that goes down too since there's nobody managing anything. Yeah, and make sure you're upriver from mm-hmm. any kind of disastrous city shit. Yeah, I'm with you, man. You ever seen the? Have you uh, seen they have they have them at like Costco? They have like these uh, survival meal buckets. It's basically like designed for if the end happens, like we're describing right now. And it's like a bunch of freeze dried meals that uh, are good indefinitely and all have like a decent amount of calories. But you can seriously, it's like fifty bucks, and it's like a bucket of three hundred meals. That you can I get had no idea that was even a thing. It's like mm-hmm. uh, you're talking basically um, astronaut food. Uh, I don't know if it's astronaut food to the extent that it's like freeze dried, but I think it is de- like dehydrated. So yeah, yeah. But the idea is that, like you, you kind of, I think, just add water, and it's good for like forever. That's pretty badass. That's definitely now, something to get ahead of time. Yeah, I don't know. I think the first time that I ever saw it in Costco was like within like the past year. So I think maybe they were like preying on the uh, people being like, is this the end? Are we all going to die? <laughs> what did you think was happening at the very beginning? Where do, you, where do you stand on the whole thing? Did you believe it was bullshit at the start? Um, I don't know if I thought it was bullshit. I think I thought it was not that big of a deal. Like, do you think it's big of a deal now? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, I'm I'm certainly not. One do of those you people. still think? Well, not do you still think? But do even if you think it's a big deal now, do you think it's still being overplayed? Uh, like I don't it's, know. It's hard to say because no it, one I mean, you as aggressive as it really is, as they're saying it is. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, aggressive is infection rate or like uh, the the fatality rate. I don't know. I I do think that it's easier to just be like, yeah, maybe it is that dangerous. Uh, it, how hard is it to put on a mask? Like. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I don't, I don't know better. We, uh, I, I'm not a doctor. We had an anti-vaxxer on our show. This kind of brings me back to, <laughs> to, to this discussion, but like, yeah, like the, it's easier for me to just be like, all right, I'm going to assume the, uh, the, the people that have researched this for their entire lives are right. Uh, I'm probably not going to die, but like vaccines free, not hard to put on a mask, whatever. 
I completely agree with that. Like, it's not even problematic when you think about it. I, I don't get the whole, my freedoms are being invaded. Like, let's say they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then nothing. The but if There's they're no right. opportunity cost. Like, yeah. You're, uh, the discomfort in wearing a mask. Like, what personal freedom do you have to not have to wear a mask in a private business? <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's so yeah. ridiculous that anybody was on that. Now, my problem with the vaccines, again, I come from a science background. Okay. So what kind, of, what kind of science? Uh, chemistry, actually. Got you. Okay. And um, I understand fully the nature of a vaccine. Most people have no idea what the point of a vaccine is, which is why it's also weird that they suggested everybody get vaccinated because that's also wrong. You're still going to pass it on. You should preserve the amount of vaccines for the majority of the sick people. Get it out to them first. Anybody of age, anybody at risk at all times have that reserve because the nature of vaccines is if you have the immunity to beat it, you do not take it. But mm-hmm. if you do not have the immunity to beat whatever you're getting vaccinated for, then you do take it. The basics for like having the flu and the reason that in the United States we suggest everybody take it, but in every other country, people only give it to those with illnesses are because if your body struggles to create the antibodies, then the vaccine will help you. But if your body can naturally create them and you put a fake supplement, your body has no reason to learn how to create it and you've disabled that part of your body so the vaccine worked against you. That is the basic logic behind the vaccine. So you don't give it to everybody. You give it to the people who need it. And sometimes people who might seem healthy do need it. And sometimes people who might seem sick don't need it. And in the United States, we have a lot of people who eat fast food regularly, which is something that affects your health very commonly. We have people who eat a lot of garbage, people who have excessive sugar, excessive salts in their body. And those kinds of things lower your body's immune system because the vitamins in your body struggle to get where they need to go and then uh, struggle to create the antibodies necessary for certain things. So those people, 95% of the people in the United States need the vaccine. And the reason we force children in <laughs> schools to take it is because we don't know what their families are giving them. Mm-hmm. And we need them to not come to the school with some sort of plague that they're going to spread out. That's why they force children to have them <clears throat> to go into school or whatever the case might be. Now, the scientists, on the other hand, totally understand this. The forcing everybody to take it after we fully understand how vaccines work. In fact, the United States is one of the country's leading vaccine movements. That was weird to me because we've never done that before, especially for something like this, where we know that the people in the middle are the people suffering the least. Yeah. I mean, have we not? Have we never done that before? Like, isn't isn't that? I mean, we require vaccines for like every kid to go to school for in the United States. Yes, Tdap and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But those are things that are either our body cannot create the immunity for, or it's something that if you just have a poor diet or bad living conditions, your body can immediately start producing less of the antibody than you should need. Well, isn't that isn't that kind of the thing though? Is that as far as being able to. Pr- create the immunity for it wasn't the logic behind it is that this is too dangerous to find out like we don't know like it, we're, we're good. it's safer to assume that you can't or you might die like even if you're Except you're presumed to be a healthy the person death percentage is so absurdly low that that mm-hmm. is kind of a news cycle bit of information rather than a fact Got you. Okay. So, it, but it, the other thing, though, is if there is enough vaccines to vaccinate everybody, which at this point there seems to be, what what's the harm? That is actually incorrect. We have hoarded the vaccines into the first world countries. 
Oh, well, I just meant like in the United States. Yeah, I guess so. Like how American of me to be like, who gives a fuck about Tanzania? <laughs> no, we should definitely not give it to anybody that's under 40 and has no medical problems and just send yeah? it to a country where people fucking need it. Okay. Like, I definitely believe that. The other argument would be if we are this worried about people's health, mm-hmm. right? If it's about saving lives, if it's about taking care of people, which should be the goal. Yeah. Then the argument really goes into why are why is chemotherapy something we have to pay for? Why are EpiPens something people have to pay for? Why are insulin injections something people have to pay for? When if they don't take these things, they will also die, actually in greater numbers. <laughs> well, that's a much larger discussion. I, I was going to say uh, that like the that can get pretty political you touched on one of the biggest things that like i'm politically sensible about that's this is also like our, my podcast we uh we steer we shy away from politics just because we like i don't know keep it light but uh i mean hey if you want to get into it I'm, I'm down for it but or we could we could we could switch to something more fun before we start like. talking this, about this the, is the I economics mean, of universal health care <laughs> we had a conversation on this show about what was worse whether it was baby rape oh okay or Mm-hmm. baby shaking oh oh okay <laughs> so like we can go anywhere and i'm cool with it um all right let's let's play down the uh the rape part of that but um oh, man I, I you you almost kind of piqued my interest I... <laughs> oh no let's dive in what do you think is worse i'll give you the circumstance if you I'm, shake I'm a baby sure. you've ruined their mind but they stay alive but if you've okay. raped the baby their brain okay, could potentially be fine yeah um yeah, I would say uh, the the issue is with reprehensibility there. Like you're talking about just the long term consequences for that child. Uh, con- conversely, like I'm looking at you, the person who's making this decision, <laughs> and and what what you're getting out of it or what you're actually doing. Like it's much rep- much less resp- eh, reprehensible for me to I don't know take this this glass that I'm drinking out of for for a moment. It's much less reprehensible for me to shake it than it is for me to stick my dick in it. <laughs> fair that makes perfect sense yeah <laughs> so uh you could say it's it's uh it's not as bad because the long-term effect on that baby isn't as bad um but i'd say you're pretty you're much more fucked up if you fucked a baby right right but then we <laughs> we're not in this situation we have to assume for example there's a that you're removing the person from the thing you're somehow without the involvement of another party Mm-hmm. Going to either rape a baby or shake a baby. And there's nobody to blame. A ghost did it. Mm-hmm. But you get to tell the ghost what he gets to do. Okay. So so uh, to, to use the economic term, all else equal, it's just the effect on the baby. It's not Yes, nothing else matters here. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I just, no, I don't think you're, I think you're having a hard time getting somebody that's going to be like, yeah, baby rape is the answer. Like that's worse or better? Uh, I again, I, I'll give you the lawyer answer. It, it it depends, and if you're only looking at the long term effect on the uh, the child, I, I see what you're saying. But like, yeah, I think you're 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 uh, you're twisting this example because you're talking about like. Uh, I mean, that's children, what a thought experiment are, is, isn't it? Kids are uh, kids are blacked out till they're three years old. So yeah, man, and not uh, even that. But you got to think about the fact that if you shake a baby, that same baby at three years old. They got shaken is still that one year old versus the raped baby. That's now a three year old baby with a three year old mind. <laughs> so, like, you have a shaken baby that's forever that one year old versus the three year old baby that was just raped and is now 
a three-year-old draped baby. And so to focus more on the uh, shaking part of it, I'm going to try and steer us away from the, uh, the, the more reprehensible part of it. <laughs> uh, like, do you, do you have kids? No. Thankfully. Okay, so so uh, my my friend Dan is on the podcast with me. He has he has kids, and he was saying how like for sure when you're when you're there, they make you watch the video when you're before you leave the hospital about it's shaking like, babies. Do not shake that baby. And like I I don't have kids. I, I hope to at some point, but uh, I I can't imagine ever shaking the baby. But I find it insane that it's prevalent enough that they're like like. You, before you before you can take that thing out the door, you got to sign this waiver that says you watched this movie that said I'm not going to shake that thing. <laughs> That's nuts, right? The fact that that did it, it did happen enough times. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that's just shitty parents or human nature? Um, I don't think somebody is inherently a bad person if they got there. I don't mm-hmm. think that's shitty parenting. I think we have a. I guess it's the parents' shitty parent. A lot of people weren't taught to handle their emotions. They were just taught to shut them down and that that's equal to handling your emotions. But you can't turn down the volume on a baby. Mm-hmm. So okay. that will continue to pick and pick and pick and pick. And there's nothing you could do. Shutting it down isn't like if you shut it down around another adult and they're just like, well, then I'll get the fuck out of here. No, the baby's <laughs> going to stay whining and bitching and crying even if you shut down emotionally. So so based on your your theory, you think men or men, the people that are designed to shut down their emotions are much more likely to shake the baby? It's like, One, no, man, nobody yes. gives a fuck about the way you feel. 100% men are more likely, but also I think that it, this, when women explode, it's the same idea. Like you're, you're trying to do the best you can, pushing down how annoying and aggravating the consistency of it is. And you're trying to just be a good parent. But eventually, like an aneurysm, it comes out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> you just snap. And it had nothing to do with a choice you made. You didn't choose to shake your baby. You weren't thinking. There, was, there wasn't there was any thought. It was just like, what's the best thing I could do? Fucking shut up. And then you realize you <laughs> shook your baby. Yeah. And, and so uh, you kind of led on based on your, your hypothetical unfortunate scenario that you led that uh, you, you were aware of the consequences of baby shaking? Yes. Like how, how bad is it? It depends on the severity of shaking a baby. If you shake a baby lightly, you can still shake their brain inside of their head. The more severe, you can even kill the baby. Just by like a – it doesn't have to – by severe, I'm being very conservative. Like yeah. that pretty light shake could kill a baby. Yeah. It just depends, I guess, the age of how young the baby is. But a pretty light shake could kill a baby. But you can create severe brain damage that could lead to things like mental retardation on top of other health issues. You could uh, shake their brain to the point that nerve functions are shut off because you've damaged them. So they could struggle breathing for the rest of their lives. They could uh, uh, lose control of their uh, spinal cord and thus be paraplegic forever. Just random things like that could happen from shaking a baby because their brain controls their body. Yeah, you can you can you can fuck that baby up. Yeah, you fuck that baby up. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is like talking about all like being at the age where it's not weird to have a baby and like having a bunch of friends that either have children or talk about having kids. Like, it makes me think of how insane it is that like we have anything you do, you have to like fill out paperwork or like tell somebody that you're doing it or like <laughs> register with someone like i had to, to buy a car it's like all right i gotta go in if i can't pay for it with cash i gotta get a loan i gotta make sure it's registered with the dmv i gotta go get insurance if i want to have a baby like baby potentially the thing that's going to be the require the most responsibility in any person's life all i gotta do is have unprotected sex like i gotta have sex the best way to have sex <laughs> i mean 
think about how crazy it is that we've just been so many people have been indoors for a year and a half now, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say somebody was pregnant at the beginning of this, and mm-hmm. they told nobody, and they stood inside the whole time. Their husband brought them food consistently, right? And they are pregnant. They have they never leave. They're too scared to go to the hospital. So they're like, we can have it inside, and we just do it all natural, right? Yeah. You can have this baby in your house without anybody ever knowing that there was a baby. Mm-hmm. You can cut that umbilical cord. You can put that baby inside of a bag, throw that baby in the oh. trash. Oh, dude. Is and that where you went with this? nobody would ever know you killed a baby Man, because nobody you... even know there was a baby to kill. Here you are with that pessimism again. <laughs> Why is that the first place you go to? I thought you were going to be like, you have, a, you have a nine-month pregnancy. You have the baby. You do it all on your own. And the next time you see your family, you're like, mom. You got a grandson. Instead, you were like, put it in a plastic <laughs> bag, and, and that'll be your dirty secret for forever. All right. Yes. You've read, you read too much Chuck Palahniuk, man. Oh, hell yeah. He <laughs> ruined my life early. <laughs> but think about how possible that is, and nobody would have a clue. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty disturbingly possible. I guess so. Yeah. And uh, the craziest part is it would have happened at least once. You think so? Uh, I mean, Here's This is what I will tell you, right? On a previous episode... Actually, mm-hmm. it might be the episode directly that goes up before this goes up, right? Okay. We, I, at random said, somebody has at some point thrown a baby into a porta potty so that it dies. And we Googled it. And that oh. fucking happened. Yeah, that doesn't, uh, like, it was, were you about to get some off, off camera commentary on that one? Oh, no, no, no. They were just agreeing <laughs> with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that. Sh- Shit like that, I guess, does happen all the time. Yeah, uh, all you gotta, you gotta. If you could <laughs> think about it, you weren't the first. Hmm. There's yeah. seven billion people on Earth, almost eight. Yeah, I, I, you don't even have to get to Earth, man. Like, there's three hundred and what thirty million people in the United States. Yeah, if you could think about it, you weren't the first. Yeah, gotcha. somebody probably did it. Man, that's a uh, that is a really depressing thought. I'm gonna just sit here and take a drink of this. Uh, Here's what's interesting whiskey. about the fact that you think that's a depressing thought because that tells me more about you than you think. Yeah, you know. So? Now that you have a glass, there is that glass half full or half, or half empty? Um, well, it's it's one quarter full. <laughs> so so maybe that's uh, maybe I'm an ultra optimist. Well, you could be a pessimistic pessimist, an optimistic optimist. Or you could be uh, an optimistic pessimist, or pessimistic optimist. Okay. You got? Do you have a demonstration of each one of those four things with uh, with the glass analogy right there? Uh, yes. So it, specifically with the glass, you can have the glass half full, right? And be that's positive. Say it's half full, but also mm-hmm. you could be pessimistic about the fact that it's half full. Well, half was already done. What am I even here for? Gotcha. Or, man, half is done. How great! I only have half left to do. Those are two positive and negative of it being positive. Or you could say it's half empty. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, half is missing. What the fuck? <laughs> or, oh, man, half is missing. That's more for me to do. <laughs> more for me to do. My thought was this this cup or this glass is three quarters of the way empty. But I got a whole bottle here for me to just keep working on. That's fair. How do, what, how do I fall into the categories then? Well, that's positive and positive. There you go. What's what's <laughs> negative to positive? That's a, a, a pessimistic optimist. You're like, it's half okay. empty, but that means I can just pour more. Mm-hmm. And in the case of 
seeing something like the fact that babies are killed left and right all the time by all the parents and everybody's raping and killing all the kids all the time. You're like, well, that's a dark thought. I'm like, well, now we know it's happening so we can try to stop it. Yeah. So, so how do we stop it then? What's your, what's your solution on the, this is coming to you public service announcement from the just conversation podcast. This is our platform on how we're going to stop in home I was going to say abortions, but that's not it. It's, that's not um, it. That's a full-fledged murder. Throwing away children, yeah. That's crazy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. We Good. would... In that case, there's no way we could know. There's no way we could know somebody got pregnant, and that's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. If we were to solve parental cruelty as a whole, then we need a lot of government regulation, like excessive, which would be at the beginning of somebody's life... You put two things in their body against that individual's will. One is a a reproductive hormonal suppressant. Okay. And two is a replicant that feeds the hormones to the body so that they continue to develop naturally so that when you take both of them out, it functions as if you never had a suppressant in there. Now, in this case, you need to pass a test when you're 18 years of age or when you've said you finally want to have children. Uh-huh. And that would – we'd go through psychological training the same way we would do for like weapons or some shit. And we would go through all the classes of parenting and all these things. And now you got your parental license. Okay. Now we can take those out and you could be perfectly fine. And we have stopped random, violent, psychotic individuals for just killing people. Now, the problem is the absurd abuse of freedom that that entails – yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of eugenics that you're working on, kind of, there. <laughs> it's uh, excessive. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, but so to, to bring this to a, to a, maybe a happier place, what, uh, where do you go to, to get your, your parenting license? That's an interesting question, right? Because you'd need mm-hmm. to create something that's essentially the DMV. Yeah, it's like, am I going down to the DMV? Hey, guys, I, I turned 18. I'm going to go take my test so I can get my license to fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, you could fuck. You could fuck all you want. You just, it, oh, it'll right. go Sorry. nowhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, best best case scenario, actually, maybe is you hold off on the license to fuck. Yeah, you could keep – and th- having the license doesn't mean you necessarily went and got the, the things removed. You could have it so that it's easy to just walk in. I'm ready. Take them out. Here's my license. Here's the proof that I can have them removed, and uh, I'm ready for children because it doesn't mean that you have the license and thus you want to. It just means you have the license and thus you can. Like, you can have a driver's license and not have a car. Yeah. I, I gotta say, man, I'm into the idea. I, I like uh, horrible implications about injecting children with something. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, maybe long term fucks them up. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look past that and think about how much less I would have had to spend on condoms, etc., throughout my life. And like, I could maybe I could retire early based on based on your theory. <laughs> oh no, the problem, the real problem here is with that much of uh, <laughs> hormonal suppressants and replicants running around somebody's body, the amount of genetic mutations that would happen in a person at random mm-hmm. because of the in and out of all these different hormonal shifts. That is so crazy. We can't even imagine the kinds of cancers we would have accidentally invented through just random mutation. Yeah. Well, I I was in your example, I was assuming that everything went well. Or like when you do eventually get your license to fuck and make a make a kid, maybe they are Wolverine or maybe they have a That would a be second, so badass. If you had a power, what penis. would it be? If I had a power, what would it be? Um well, so we actually did this on our podcast. We we did a superpower draft. My first one was invulnerability. Why invulnerability? 
because it's the base superpower. Like everybody's like, oh, Superman can fly. He's got laser vision. He's got super strength. But like he can have all of those things if you're working under the assumption that he's already invulnerable. Otherwise, he's the glass cannon superhero. Like the first time he flies too fast without looking and runs into a building, no more Superman. Okay, I can trump your power in a single shot and All right, what is beat it? you under any circumstance. Okay. Have you ever seen the movie Jumper? Jumper? Yeah, yeah. The one where... It was that time trial? I know it's they, they basically... It's kind of it's kind of similar to... It's like uh, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the except teleportation. He, yes, except it's instantaneous with no lag time and it's to anywhere you can picture, period. Okay. I, I'm trying to think. I might actually have the draft that we did because I think that was actually one of my other powers because we drafted like top four. Yeah. Uh, I fucking love this discussion. Let's keep this going. But so, look, why, the problem it, here is – Why does it trump me? Why does it trump me? Because, because there's invulnerable. No, it doesn't matter that you're invulnerable. You also cannot fly. You can't super jump. I could just move you to the moon and come okay. back to Earth within a second and now you're never a problem. Okay. But like uh, it's like that analogy you, you ever heard like uh, – you imagine there's a snail that if it touched you you die and it, it's just going to keep coming at you no matter what and you're immortal unless it touches you how do you how do you deal with that snail in that case i'm the snail like maybe i'm invulnerable but and i'm stuck on the moon for now but maybe somebody finds out i'm on the moon and comes to get me because i'm the only way i can stop you who knows fair enough I'm, I'm invulnerable. That's the thing. It's like it, that's your that's the rebuttal to everything you say. It's like okay, I, you can do that to me, but like I'm invulnerable. That's fair. But then you just gave me the own solution. If they can get you, all I have to do is fling you in a random direction in space so that you can never be retrieved because tracking you would be the most impossible feat and you'd live in solitude for the rest of eternity floating away. <laughs> and you see what we've done here. We've we've discovered again why superhero movies are awesome because it's like what if Spider-Man was against ant-man <laughs> how would those two superpowers counteract each other it's the best part of the discussion we didn't do this on the thing we just drafted superpowers we needed to have them fight ant-man is one of the most absurdly overpowered superheroes that has ever existed and we're talking beyond the point that superheroes hit like god mode like flash traveling through time altering time being able to move through walls all this like some superheroes overdo it and still, Ant-Man is the most overpowered anything ever. The what? ability to enter the quantum realm is such absurd bullshit. <laughs> well, the problem is, like, we don't even know what that means. So you're like, it's it's like the cheat code. Cause it's like the ability to be like, okay, I can go do whatever. Yeah, that's basically the problem here. Because if we're assuming he's going through quantum uh, field theory and using string theory to enter a quantum state... Then he's traveling through dimensions consciously, not just as part of the dimension, but within the dimension, able to interact with things inside of a dimension, thus able to witness people's entire timelines, alter anything at any given moment, just choose what your life is from that moment forward by influencing, because he can see what the future of any influence would be, because he's in a quantum state in which he exists in every possible, like, what are you talking about? That's so absurd. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just taking advantage of the fact that, like, quantum physics is something that nobody really understands. Well, so. just talking about the things that are theorized about quantum theory, yeah. assuming any of that is true, he is undefeatable. Yeah, I guess you could say that. So, yeah, man, uh, the other you you touched upon a couple of them too, because like the the idea of like the super speed is pretty dope too. Yeah, 
super, especially Flash's version of super, because there's super speed like Quicksilver. And that's mm-hmm. really cool. He's so absurdly fast. But there's the I run faster than the concept of light, which sends me backwards through time. Mm-hmm. Now you're crossing into some I run so fast that my molecules vibrate and I could just step through solid matter. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that, again, we're back into the quantum physics realm where it's like, I'm pretty sure you're just making this up, man. So what's the difference between uh, so again, I'm not a like I've read like five comic books in my entire life. When I say I'm a, a Marvel casual, I've only ever pretty much seen the movies and surf Reddit afterwards. Oh no, like, you can wiki your way in. through this, man. <laughs> uh yeah, well, super superheroes, Marvel and whatever, their wiki articles are like a lot. Yeah, like, yeah, this is pretty deep. Yeah, and, and like uh, the the other thing about comic books is uh, like I feel like every ten years the creator was like, what if none of the stuff that we wrote before mattered? Yeah, yeah, that's and... where all the theoretical alternatives happen. <laughs> yeah, it's like so. Um, the, remember how he was Magneto's kid? No, no, his parents were just gypsies. Uh, none of that mattered before. Yeah, that just reminds me of Flashpoint, where Batman is not Batman, but in um in in the world of Flashpoint, Bruce Wayne is the one who dies. Mm-hmm. And that forces his father to become Batman to avenge his death, and his mom goes crazy and becomes the Joker. What? Yeah. I've never heard of this. That's incredible. Yeah, that's fucking nuts, isn't it? That's so crazy. <laughs> no, but uh, before we get past it, I want to know, what's the difference between the Flash and Quicksilver? Well, the Flash is basically moving light. He's connected to the Speed Force. And Quicksilver is kind of just fast. Okay. So he's he's just like the, the bitchy version of... of uh... Oh no! the The problem here is that their powers are completely—they're not the same. One guy is just really, really fast. Okay. Now, anything you could do with raw speed is what you get with Quicksilver. Okay. While Flash, speed is what it looks like he's doing, but he's once you understand what the Speed Force is, which is the place where he gets his energy from, you find out that he's closer to moving light. Okay. Which is so why he looks like a lightning bolt when he's cruising. It's because he's the faster he goes, the closer to light he becomes to the point that he's traveling through time because he's outpacing light itself. Right. Okay. So, so in other words, Quicksilver, he's just like, yeah, dude, he's, he's quick. Yeah, whatever. he's a fast guy. Whereas to understand the Flash, you're like, all right, are you how, – how many physics classes have you taken? Yes, exactly. There you go. He is what you get in the Hedron Collider. <laughs> Yeah. Have you, you you know about the Hedron Collider, right? Yeah. I, I'm familiar with CERN. What do you think happens in there? They smash molecules together at a very, very fast speed. <laughs> to do what? Uh to dis I, I think the, the basis of it was to discover what the conditions were like at nearest the Big Bang. Right. And why would that do that? Why would they do because I think the the hypothesis is, and granted, again, I'm a lawyer, not a physicist. Right, right, right. Uh, the, isn't it the hypothesis that slamming those those bits of matter together at that force is, may have been what triggered created, the Big Bang? Tri- tri- yeah, triggered the Big Bang. Because I remember whenever CERN was being built, people were like, well, does that mean like they're going to be successful and everything's just going to, we're all going to die because it's going to recreate that? In okay, a way so that you have enough information to understand the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but just enough. We've we've maybe exhausted my knowledge. Well, no, your knowledge is actually way more extensive than the average person. Like, if you ask somebody what the hell CERN is, they're like, "What?" I mean, you you said up top, "Am I the smartest person in my podcast?" I think. Fair just, enough. Just, just, reinfor- <laughs> just reinforcing. That yeah, thing. yeah. Fair enough. You've proven your point quite uh determined to do so, and you got there. <laughs> but 
So if we can create a little bang in there, right? And a little thing happens in there. I guess, let me change perspective. Do you think God sees the universe happen within the fraction of a second and it's just over to him? I don't think God's real. So, If there was uh, a God. <laughs> um, I think he would see it how was best convenient for him to see it. So if there was only one universe that played itself out in one unit of time, whatever that is, right. then probably not because he would have no it would have no purpose if he just it was over an instant so what does that mean like every instant he's recreating it and doing it all over okay again? i love that you said that so we go ahead and we smash the two uh, uh particles together in the hadron collider and uh we recreate the basic principle of what led to the big bang and then we capture that information but to us that existed in the fraction of a second it was smaller than the fraction than of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second but everything that happened in there were the exact conditions that led to the creation of our universe right so we capture all that information we record all that information and okay. we then have to review it in the computer that recorded it because the moment is over okay so you're saying in that okay i think i see what you're getting at so you're saying that in that time everything that we're experiencing happens. Yes. What are the odds that inside the Hedron Collider, those two particles hit an entire universe that to them, an entire lifetime of trillions of billions of years of a universe, go through some planet, maybe even develop life within that time. They have families, they love the star they're surrounded by explodes and kills them all. And then eventually a million years later, the universe disappears. But to us, that was an unfathomably small amount of time. And we couldn't even find the fact that that happened because of how much data there is to go through that we would never come across it. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Again, a caveat, my understanding of uh, physics at that level is, is uh, non-existent. But I mean, it, it, you would have to kind of... Uh, assume that time isn't a constant yeah well do you think time is a constant i mean i think that's the only assumption i have to live that i've experienced right <laughs> you too here's uh, define experience <laughs> in that context uh, i mean I, I i was born on in in june of 1990 uh i'm i've been experiencing time in a way that i am now uh 31 years old from that date and, uh, Have you ever time, done time DMT or acid? Time has been linear that entire time. No, I haven't. Oh, damn. You don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, when yeah, you sure. sit down and you think, mm -hmm. your memories, you ever had a memory so vivid that you forgot you were thinking? Then you uh, just snap back and you're like, wow, that was fucking crazy. Never while sober, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> Fair enough. You ever had mm -hmm. a dream so real you thought it was real? And oh, yeah. you weren't even sleeping. You're like, there's no way this, like, even if you thought about dreaming, you're like, this can't be it though. This is happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. How is that any different than time not being linear and you experiencing some alteration? Even if you're in a uh, memory, that memory itself could be so prominent that it feels as real as your current experience of time. And assuming that you can think that memory whenever you want and that it feels as real at any moment that you wanted to. Okay, so you're you're on to another like theory of of reality, right? You're you're kind of touching on if reality is only what we perceive and how we experience it. Cuz what I was going to say is like, well yeah, but time is still happening. Like I'm asleep, I was still asleep for 6 hours while that was happening. 
even though if in my dream it felt like it was three weeks. I would say that's fair if it wasn't for the fact that you're calculating time. Okay, but I'm unreliable. Time's still happening. I, I, my, my perception of it is something whatever. is happening, and you do age. Yeah, but nobody said that time is linear. In fact, physics specifically states that there's nothing that tells us time is linear. Time could randomly. Here's the problem, right? If time would randomly move back, mm -hmm. and you experienced all the events in the polar reverse of how you experienced them before. Uh huh. You'd forget all the information in the same, in the opposite chronological order that you learned them. And when time started going forward again, it's as if you didn't know that and you'd learn it all over again. So you had no recollection that you ever knew the information. So it could just slide back and you would just be back at that moment and it would start sliding forward again and you would have no recollection. You could be living this moment a billion times and only now does it continue to move forward. But you wouldn't know because you'd forget every time it moved back. To, you'd be reset to that point as if nothing after it happened. Yeah, I mean, that'd be a banana's way to experience time. Are you saying that maybe that's how it works? There's nothing that says it couldn't. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know also what you're saying about uh, time not being established as linear or not. I mean, for, for the purpose of your hypothetical, sure, we can assume that. Yeah, but also <laughs> you could you could be like, we're having it like, it could be like anytime you're having a good conversation, it'd be like, oh, dude, it feels like we've been doing this for five minutes and look at the clock and it's been an hour and a half. And that's that's just by that same theory that you just put said, like uh, your time is moving differently. It's not constant then. I had an atheist come onto the show once. Well, you've got another one on now. And by <laughs> the end of the show, he left a believer. Okay. <laughs> and I had a believer come onto the show once. And by the end of the show, he left an atheist. Mm -hmm. That's to say, I don't stand in either direction, but I can. <laughs> I so you just a uh, a paradoxical uh... <laughs> sort of, yeah. Because I don't, be I believe everybody's right. Now, mm -hmm. you, in being an atheist, believe what? Um, I would say it's probably closer to ag agnostic. What's the word I'm looking for, though? Evangelist. You're a paradoxical evangelist. I'm just looking to convince you as to the opposite of what you believe. <laughs> Fair enough, you yeah. You don't have any skin in the game. You're just trying to prove that uh, you could convert somebody's belief. Yeah, I'm not trying to prove I'm right. I'm trying mm -hmm. to prove you're wrong. Okay. Yeah, which is interesting because like, I've already gone the other way. Like, I, I was, I, I, My household is, growing up was a very religious one. And eventually I was like, no, nah, I don't think that's right. But why? Um, I think everybody says that and they're like, so what was your light bulb moment of when you realized that that was all bullshit in your mind? It's like, I, I don't think there was one. Yeah, like, I don't I, think anybody don't, has a light bulb moment. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that was the case. Like it was just like, I had been exposed to that for long enough and thought about it for long enough. And it was like, you know what? I don't believe it. Like if you wanted to distill it down to the simplest way of saying it, uh, to believe in a higher power, to believe in God requires faith. And, uh, I don't have that. Do you believe you have no faith? No, I don't have faith in uh, like God in the Christian Christian sense. Oh, you yeah, but you don't need faith in the word God under like Jehovah or Allah to believe or in Yahweh. God. Yeah, yeah. Or Yahweh. Uh, so yeah, I, th I think that's the way I would describe. It. That's kind of why I caveated what I said earlier about it. Like I would say, I'm more of an agnostic. So you like, think yeah, there's I something, but it isn't Jehovah. I think there might be. I think like uh, based on my experience, who knows? I don't have any evidence that there is something, but I'm not opposed to the fact that it does exist. That's fair.
So, 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 uh, flip me on that, man. <laughs> I'm too ambivalent to, uh, to, to come down on a position. How are you going to convert that? Convert you believing that there might or might not be? <laughs> yeah. Well, the assumption that you believe there might or might not be could inherently be wrong and there could be a stable answer. Okay. And what it is it then? Well, it depends there's on... A stable, if there's a stable answer, man, I got to believe it. Oh, I got to see it. I got to see it to believe well, it. Maybe my my initial uh, thing would be since you came in as an atheist, you're repelling the highest possibility in your mind, which would be that there might be. Because you, uh, what we do as humans is we create a reflective opposite to our state, and the reflective opposite then becomes us, and what used to be becomes our like past. We're no longer in that state. We look at that from a distance by having created an opposite that we jump into. That's why we tend to go from extremes. Sort of the uh, Democrat who becomes a hard Republican after the experience of Trump. And it's like, okay, fair. Why couldn't you go into the middle if you already agreed with some of the things over here? Has that happened? That oh, no, I know somebody <laughs> the Democrat transitioning. Democrat became a hard Republican after Trump? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've met a couple of those, and it's a weird experience. That would be more insane to me than the atheist that became a believer after the podcast. <laughs> no, no. The problem is, if you believe in God and that God creates the rules, yeah. and then Trump shows up and he says the government is trying to suppress your freedom to not only force them to choose the rules, but they're trying to tell you what the rules should be. Suddenly, you have the Christian who supports Trump, and there was a wave of those people, and a lot of them began as Christ as uh, uh, Democrats to begin with, and they just like, well, but my freedoms aren't the government's choice. God gave me that freedom, mm -hmm. and Trump says he wants me to have that freedom, and that just created a weird mind fuck for a lot of people. <laughs> okay. I actually see where you're coming from there. That's an interesting perspective. I like that. Well, I've that's not even my perspective. I've met those individuals. Yeah, it's a yeah, weird I, thing. It's weird going into the thought experiment, if you will, uh, of delving into the rationale behind that thinking, uh, the, the, that, that rationale, period, full stop. Do you think morality is a human construct or that there is a actual moral okay um yeah i think it is a human construct because like it, humans are a social creature and morality has to exist within a society okay so so i, I i've gotten i've had this very discussion before with uh, actually one of the my friends on my podcast and it's like the idea of uh it's kind of like the cain and abel story in the bible it's like if there was just you and one other person and that person pissed you off. Why not just kill him? Like, what's stopping? Why, if there's if there's no inherent immorality to murdering somebody, why not just kill that guy? Because then you'd be alone. Okay. So imagine you're not. It's not that. You're, so so modify that hypothetical. Instead of you, it's just you, Cain and Abel. You've got Seth there as well. So you don't have to worry about not oh, being. Right you don't up. have to worry about not being alone. You've, you're going to have company no matter what. Imagine for this hypothetical that Seth's not going to find out either. Cain just became God's more favored person. He's he's given him the 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 meat. You've just got the fruit. Uh, you don't like that there's preferential treatment. Why not kill him? That's a great question. Why don't you? <laughs> and I, I think for for my assumption to work, you just have to assume that in the inherent there there is an inherent morality. Like it, 
if even though it's not necessarily in your best interest, there's something hardwired in you that's going to be like, no, that's fucked up. Do you believe that's the case? Yeah. There's, you believe there's an inherent morality? Uh, yes, to an extent. I think, and, and the thing is, though, like, there's always going to be outliers in any kind of population. Yeah, 100%. That's kind of what we, it's, we, we may have a different view upon, on this based on our whole discussion about the end of the world and uh, people descending into cannibalism and immediately uh, <laughs> that we talked about earlier. But yeah, there's one of them is going to be like, uh, some people might think that uh, most people tend to be good. And other people are like, no, inherently, we're bad. The only thing that keeps us in line is like, we wouldn't be able to function if we all went that way. So your assumption, what you're telling me is that you believe that you, without any concept of a bigger social structure, without anybody having telling told you any rules, it's you can enable your Seth. You're, yeah. you're able, right? You're able. And your whole thing is, I am going to off Seth. Uh, not Seth, uh, Kane. And that's the thought <laughs> in your mind. So... Uh -huh. You believe you would just inherently not do it because there is an inherent good driving you. Yes, yeah, yes and no. And here you want to hear the real mind fucked is it maybe like the catch twenty two into that situation? Go for maybe it. it's like it's it's inherently good, but also it's like it's in my self interest not to do it because I want to continue to be around people. Like I I might be pissed that this guy did something that inspires me to kill him, but ultimately I'm more motivated to keep him around because that Fair. that's I'd rather have things not work that way. So then I give you a thought experiment based on that thought experiment. Which would okay. be, if you could kill Kane, and he instantaneously be replaced by someone else, but that other person wouldn't exist without <laughs> you killing Kane, so there would always be the same amount of people. Oh, okay. So if it's like, all right, what if Kane's a real piece of shit, and you could kill him and have, like, Bob, who's, who's fine? Yeah. Would you kill Kane? Yeah, because then like we're not working with the rules of society. Fuck Kane. Uh, maybe you feel pretty cathartic to kill him, and I get Bob. Fair. So Kane's <laughs> life is totally irrelevant because there's no social structure that's telling you his life matters, and there's no inherent good to dictate that you should feel bad about killing him. Oh, I don't know if his life's totally irrelevant, but I think in that moment that I'm driven driven to the bloodlust to kill this motherfucker, it's like you guys take a second, get with me. You don't understand how much of an asshole this asshole is. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I wasn't thinking about the long-term repercussions of like maybe he deserved to live i was thinking about like no i really want to kill him right now and when assuming he's gone, you I, couldn't kill him I in have, the moment yeah well i was gonna say and when he's gone i have somebody that's not gonna have the negatives that he presented when he was around right assuming you can sit down and think about it and you do come across the thought of his life whether it matters or not mm -hmm. what would you think like, you can't kill him in the moment you're angry. You have to wait. And okay. so now you've come down and you can think about it, but you're still not necessarily happy about it. Well, I, can't, I think in that, in that scenario, man, like, there would just be a lot less murder, period, because I feel like the, the amount of, like, uh, if you remove crimes of passion from the, the scenario entirely, then it's, it's, it's going to get a lot less violent in general. But then that just leads us back to an inherent good, because once you can think about it, you're like, well, there's a good here. Yeah, man. I, I, we're working from the assumption that I'm working with. I think there is an inherent good. Then where does that inherent good come from? Uh, people. Well, no, it's inherent. You're talking yeah, about a but... social good. No, no, no. And it's inherent in people. So there's just goodness within the universe. 
Sure. Yeah. Or or within human beings. If right. You want to put it that way. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But human beings are within the universe, and we didn't design the goodness. It was just there. Mm-hmm. So there is a goodness despite malice, just natural universal goodness. Yeah, I think so. Where do you think that comes from? Like, what's what's the source of there being an inherent good? I, I don't know, man. I, that's, that's a good question. Uh, uh, us? All right. If you were you're, to invent a you're, god... You're asking, for the, you're asking for the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Holy shit, you have the answer to everything tattooed on you. Mm-hmm. That's badass. You know, most people don't even understand that, right? Uh-huh. It's, uh, yeah, I get a lot of questions about that. It's, it's, it's like one of those, it's like a really great Halloween costume where like the best ones are ones that like 10% of people get, but those 10% of people are super psyched about it. Whereas the other 90% of people are like, who? That's badass. What? You could tell what them like, that? I know, I know the meaning to life. I tattooed <laughs> it on me. Like, what? So I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this. If you had, so for those listening, it's 42. 42 is the answer to the question of life the universe and everything uh to everything that's that's the one to everything the answer doesn't matter the question's 42 Mm -hmm. uh so (laughs) if you had this this tattoo 42 on your on your arm like i do and someone was like yo 42 what's that about what would you say just to fuck with them just to fuck with them oh no i would just say this is the I, I did a lot of research. I read a lot of books, and <laughs> yeah. in doing so, I, I I came across an equation that continued. And I sat there for days and weeks. I contacted some of my uh, scientist friends. Uh, they got in contact with some of the mathematicians they know, and we brought in some philosophers to discuss. And uh, <laughs> after an excruciating couple of years of working on this, they came to the conclusion that this number shows itself in everything, and it doesn't matter how you frame anything. If you run the same equation through whatever statement, you're going to end up with the same number. And it's fascinating because some questions aren't even based on math. But then you go ahead and you run the equation through either the letters that are there and you break down the letters into previous Latin words. (laughs) And those Latin words are based on numbers, which is the original meaning of language. And we put those together and it just always lands at 42. (laughs) I got to give it to you, man. I have had this tattoo for uh, several years and have never thought to give that response. And I'm glad this is being recorded because I'm going to try and rememorize that response to give to people because that, that's fantastic. It's like, no, no, no. I'm the one that came up with the reason why this is the, the answer to life. The universe. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I went through the – I did the homework. Mm-hmm. I did the homework and I found it. Now, going back to this, if you were to make a god, if you were to make okay. a god. Okay, okay. We're back to this. Okay. What's the basic principle you would make – god have what's what's what defines god to you if you were to make him if you got to give god one thing that he's known for and he has to do just that one thing what would it be oh oh man i don't know like avoid suffering that's a, i feel like that's a pretty uh it's a pretty tough thing to do because it in creating god you have to inherently assume that you're creating a god who's omniscient and i'm not omniscient so i don't know how to create that but if you could if I could, yeah, I'd be like, all right, let's let's uh, let's make sure we're all good to each other and stuff, man. So that has to be his I'd, thing. I'd take I'd take the uh, the Bill and Ted approach. <laughs> yeah, so he just has to be providing inherent goodness to the universe. Yeah, I mean, what if you're creating a god? Would you not want that to be the uh, the the first the first rule? Is like, all right, it's it's like the uh, like the Hippocratic oath: first, do no harm, God. The universe is your patient. Don't fuck it up. I mean, what a 
boring universe though all right what's yours like i like it the way it is there's ups and downs let it all be chaotic fuck that Mm -hmm. (laughs) a little bit of good means you can appreciate the bad when it happens and a little bit of bad means you can appreciate the good when it happens but if everything is good it's all monotone forever yeah i mean i could do with a little less like killing each other for 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 whatever reason or uh fair enough if you couldn't fear death then would you appreciate life as much oh uh probably not right then why would you take that appreciation of life that fear of losing it why would you remove that that means you value your life so much why would you take that away okay so i'm you're 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 losing me a little bit here man so if i'm if i no longer have to feel so say back it up we, I've got my my superpower that I was talking about earlier. Right. I'm invulnerable now. I don't have to worry about somebody killing me, catching a straight bullet or, or anything. Yeah. How could I enjoy life as much? Um, every superhero, using that example, who has that situation lands in one place wishing they were fucking dead. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what I... That was my answer to the question. Like you would ha- uh, probably inherently have a little less enjoyability to it. Yeah, you'd wish you there was something to fucking make you want to respect life a little more because there's less. The less bad you have, the less good you can appreciate. So can we take it back to the very beginning of the podcast when we talked about Lord of the Rings? Did Tolkien fuck up by making elves as peace loving and level headed as they are like they have no reason to enjoy anything why why let anybody continue to work the way they are no 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 that's fuck everything incorrect up for the hell of it the reason that they still function is because they're the only ones who have that part everyone else is still doing the chaotic things meaning what you have adds as a counterweight for you are perfect order they are chaotic you can appreciate your life more cuz the danger they bring to it just gives you the tools to solve the problem and to appreciate shit. At least it didn't go so bad that I couldn't fix it. Okay. That's the I'm same way you. that the Vulcans and like Star Trek work out. Part like, of me kind of thought that like, if you've got, if, if you're bored with life basically, and you've got nothing to lose, why not just like stoke the chaos of all these temporary races that are on, on middle earth. If I had the choice, oh shit, I would throw a wrench in I, there quick. I think I'm falling into your way of thinking a little bit here, man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm quite. I kind of persuade. <laughs> I'm perspectively, and I guess a little bit philosophically persuasive, even if not necessarily the most uh, rational, morally speaking. I suppose. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a little morally gray. That's fine, I guess. Yeah, I would say that's that's uh, that's accurate. Yeah, I, you're you're the more morally gray of the two of us. I, I I would I would feel is that is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I think I'm way more maybe towards a darker shade, if anything. Mm-hmm. You seem uh, quite pleased with the good of the universe. I think the chaos allows us to value that at all. For the record, I'm the lawyer on this podcast, so let it, let let that be known. <laughs> now, as a lawyer, uh, do you find it difficult to defend somebody you know is the bad guy, or is uh, it just work? Yeah, yes and no. Like I feel like in the um, in the moment, it's easy to forget about the uh the the bigger pictures in some way because it's it, about winning 
Yeah, exactly. Like part of the reason that I got into this is like I'm I, I like games. I like super complicated games. That's like uh, I've never met a board game that was uh, intricate that I could exploit strategy because of, of crazy rules that I could figure out better than you that I didn't like. And so being a lawyer is the the, the best version of that. So uh, if if my client is a piece of shit and your client might be right, like it's it's easy to kind of forget that in the in the time that you're you're trying to figure out a solution and just be like, oh yeah, this is how we win. But in a great in a bigger picture standpoint, yeah, like it's not great knowing that your your client is not the morally correct person in that situation. See, this is where you and I, I guess, defer greatly, right? Mm-hmm. Do you believe people do bad things and think they're the bad guy while doing it? Oh no, never, no, never do they do that. Everybody's the hero of their own story, right? So your your client, mm-hmm. even if the guilty party, and you're defending them as if they're not, yeah, still thinks they did nothing wrong, right? And even if by law they did something wrong, and they might understand that the law, they still believe no, but that law is wrong. Yeah, let me just make the blanket uh, disclaimer before we continue. My clients have done nothing wrong. (laughs) Just in case, you know, just in case. Yeah, in case anybody's listening to this, finds out who I am and what I'm representing, my clients have done nothing wrong. And if you try to say otherwise, I'm saying it now, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah, your clients are are objectively the good guys. You've never never wrongly, which is, (laughs) we won't get into that, but... You've never wrongly sent somebody to prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't practice criminal law, so that's a really fair question. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Would you? Yeah, the, st- the stakes are a lot lower. Yeah, I, I think I would actually prefer to, but... Um, you think you could handle you know? it? You think you could... Your consciousness, your conscious mind after that, are you okay if you know, fuck, he did it, and I just proved the opposite? I don't know. I would like to say yes, but uh, I've never had the opportunity to do it. So I, I I can't say for sure. I would like to say yeah, because I'd like to say I'd be able to just stand up for that person's right to a fair trial regardless. Interesting. So you respect the law. Mm-hmm. As flawed as it is because you know it better than most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you've got it, it. There has to be something. Fair enough. So you think that it is all right, which I do. I'm not saying you're in the wrong here. I believe that we accept collectively that many people will be incorrectly sent to prison. And that is a margin of error that we have to accept for the amount of people who are actually guilty. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of have to inherently. That's that's like a, a school of thinking within the law and like criminal law it's like uh people that support the death penalty or i guess more more accurately like a death or against the death penalty there's the the way of thinking it's like it, it, the idea that one innocent man may be punished incorrectly while 10 go free is is not well, I'm, I'm backing this up <laughs> the if if one uh innocent man gets punished while 10 guilty men go free that's an okay ratio basically it's like i it's it's not okay to to punish this this person who doesn't deserve to be punished do your friends think you are morally gray everybody in the show 
Do they think you're the morally gray one and they are in the moral right, even if you're the lawyer? Um, that's a good question. I would say probably they do think that. Do you think they're the morally gray ones? Oh, no. I think uh, everybody's kind of on their own spectrum. Like, I, I would say uh, maybe one or two of my co-hosts are less morally gray and one of them is more than me. You think you're dead center? I, I would say fairly somewhere in the middle, yeah. Throw under the bus who you think is the worst. The, well, the, the, what does worst mean? You're saying gray is bad and not gray. Darker shade than gray. gray. If we're assuming lighter colors are good, darker colors are worse. And we're talking moral. So somebody who's more amoral and willing to do something bad with less of a consciousness goes towards darker shades. And anybody else who thinks that's wrong and would actually feel bad quicker would go towards the lighter shades. Who's a darker shade than you are? Okay, so I'm gonna refuse to to cave into your hypothetical and shit on my friends. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it in an in an entertaining way. So I'm gonna flip it on its head, and I'll say the person who is the less gray, the more uh, the the more defined sense of morality. That's Dan. You listen to Dan. That's you. I only have three co-hosts. And you, you think you, Dan? You decide between the other two. Do you uh? What do you think about abortion? Oh, um, I think it's whoever's decision is is having it. So you think a woman has two heads, four arms, four legs, and no, their I don't. body thus there? Yeah, so, so uh, remember I mentioned up top, we don't talk about politics a lot on my uh, my podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, off the podcast, I'm the, the resident libtard, so you can, you can imagine Got that. Got you, I understand. <laughs> I'm pretty uh, fine with it. You are interesting. It's <laughs> that's fascinating. There are circumstances in which you lean in favor of the children, but in other circumstances, oh, fuck it, it's her body. Well, it's not a children. It's not a child. It's not her child. No, it's not a child. That's that's the thing. You're making a pretty big assumption about interesting when when life begins, right? Do you think being made of cells means you are alive? Uh, I, I mean, I think you already know the answer, right? No. So you don't think sperm is alive? I think I think maybe consciousness. I don't know. Like I, I'm not sure that I'm qualified to make that that uh, that decision. Interesting. So consciousness is where we draw the line. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a safer way to do it. I think like if it's out living, if it's a living, breathing organism out on its own. So I think I don't know if you're baiting me into that. It's like okay, well, sperm can be alive for 48 hours. No, no, no. I I love what you said because if you take it to consciousness, then you are a hundred percent totally right. If that's where you're measuring from, yeah, fuck it. Who cares? It's not a it's not a conscious thing. It might be a living thing, but so it's like a cockroach who gives a shit. You know. Yeah, I I don't know if that's the best way to do it. I think like maybe logically that's the best way to do it. Like some people could say, I think, and granted, again, I'm going to disclaim big time. I this is not my field, but like whether it's viable could be another question. So who knows? One of my favorite things to say is, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Nobody does. That's the beauty of reality, right? We don't know what the fuck we're talking about. We're just kind of. I have this thought, right? And it's Mm -hmm. that. Nobody is holding anything together, but nothing is falling apart. So what the fuck is even going? We couldn't answer that question in a million years. Why hasn't it all fallen to shit when nobody knows what the fuck? Any individual has no fucking clue. It's sort of the collective. We Collectively, we know. Individually, mm-hmm. we don't know shit. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Now, assuming consciousness is the line we draw... Okay, assuming. Assuming, right? That's that's where we draw the line. And 
you have a guy on a medical bed, and he is not registering anything in his brain, but his body okay, with just a single machine uh-huh. will sustain him. Okay, so we went from abortion to euthanasia, all right? Yes. Where do we stand on just pulling the plug to save the electricity? Do we know what he, his feelings were? He has, we have n- no, we don't know. We don't know where he stands on anything, but also we know there's nothing in his head. We can register a total lack of brain activity. We know if consciousness happens within the brain, which would be the belief of somebody on the harder left, assuming science is the most correct option and everything is a product of just the brain's activity. So consciousness comes from the brain and there is nothing happening in the brain. So there is no uh-huh. consciousness. We're making a lot of assumptions here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're assuming. Yeah, we're assuming all that. Yeah, yeah. All of that. Well, if, if we were to assume that science is correct, because science says most commonly, although they also assume, again, science is assuming that the brain is what's producing consciousness and that it's not an external thing in opposite to spiritualism and in opposite to religion that believes either God or a higher consciousness thing is creating it. But going towards science and the progressive mentality that this person, no brain activity, therefore no consciousness. Yeah. Like what are you keeping alive? Right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like uh, if we don't know what their wishes were, they have no way to interact or they're basically just an empty vessel. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any issue with that. So it's totally fine. Like might as well pull the plug. Like it's a waste of resources, even if on a small scale. I I don't think it's as much about a waste of resources. I think it's like there's is there any chance for improvement? Like are they are they just they're never gonna get any better. Yeah, there's nothing gonna happen ever again. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fine. Fair enough. I think if that was me, that's what I would want too. How about you? Are you with me? Are you with me on that? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I don't want to fucking be in that. Pull the plug as soon as it looks like if there's a like the inkling of me leaving, just pull it before that happens. I want to go there. Yeah, harvest me for my organs, take them, take them away, you're good to go. Now, assuming he did leave a will and says forever, until I die naturally, you keep okay. me. All right, well, what does naturally mean? Until he dies despite any of the other shit trying to keep him alive. Okay, so, like, I, I want to be on a life supported. Yes, you do okay. whatever until nature decides I leave. Then you do what his will says. But why if it's a waste of resources and he is not there? Because I'm a lawyer, man. I, I had to hold hold to the will. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I do what my client says, Your Honor. And if you weren't a lawyer? Um, it's a tougher decision. I, I mean, I think they've expressed their wishes and they have a right to it. Like, uh, I... I but there's nobody there to uphold it anymore. If there was brain activity and they're like, well, if as long as I'm present, but like they've died and their body is alive. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if you have the capacity to let that man live out his wishes, then go for it. Like, are, are we in, is this a scarcity situation where the, the world has ended? Like we talked about up top where like the power grid has gone down and like his son-in-law is there on a bicycle or like in a hamster wheel being like, if I, if I stop, grandpa's going to go like, what, what's the situation? <laughs> Interesting. No, I would say that there's complete total <laughs> abundance of resources and we're just saying we never want to waste. Well, do we say that's a waste? Um, I mean, I think as of right now, it's such a minuscule thing, then why not? 
the craziest shit is that somebody just passed the law that people can't buy a certain computer because it wastes like a 0.002% more amount of energy. Yeah. That's causing some sort of emission. And it's like, how the fuck did we get there? I'm going to go ahead and say that the amount of energy wasn't the actual impetus for that bill. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? I think there were maybe some other things at play that, that Yeah, not, 100%. Uh, I just find it crazy that that's what where, they went with. Do you, do you know where that law is at? I don't remember what state it was in. I just remember I read about it. I'm like, Bro, that computer does not like what you're doing in a single fucking factory is doing a million times more than they could even imagine to dent with one of those computers. That's absurd. But I obviously I I know what you're saying is true. They've probably yeah. snuck in a bunch of other shit in there. Yeah, there's there's a there's an alternate purpose for that there for that uh, legislation. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, the the more we're having these conversations, it's making me. Uh, smile thinking about how much my my co-hosts on my podcast are squirming at being like he's talking about legal hypotheticals <laughs> we told him to go on and talk about things that people li- like listening to we don't like listening to this shit <laughs> well here's the thing man we don't know what people like listening to it's true you guys started something at random between all of you and you were doing something you enjoyed Without knowing whether anybody would like it. Yet, I liked it so much at random. Me, who would rather talk about people getting murdered, that was like, I gotta talk to one of you guys. (laughs) And here we are. Going, would you consider yourself an introvert? Uh, I'm a little bit of both. I mean, everybody's more dominant in one direction. Uh, Like, I enjoy my alone time, but I feel like I can turn it on if I need to. Fair enough. So you are a healthy introvert. (laughs) <laughs> but that's generous but yeah like uh it's if we're talking about parents like if you met my parents it'd be really funny because my dad would be like i could give a fuck about if i'm in the same room with anybody whereas my mom everybody fucking loves talking to my mom like uh she she has like a way of just finding out the core of you uh, whatever that you want to tell her in conversation the whole reason why, like, uh, I I would always be afraid to introduce any significant other to her because it's like a FBI uh, interrogation. It's like she, my mom doesn't like talking about herself. She wants to know about you, but everybody likes to talk about themselves no matter what. Interesting. Also, because do you know why? why? Nobody ever asks. If you're talking about yourself without anybody asking, then you like talking about yourself. Right, but like in in general conversation, most right. people tend towards just like getting out what's going on with them and people fucking love being asked to talk about themselves because it's just like yeah man give me more of what you want to do that's fascinating because i think i completely avoid doing that yeah well that's probably why your extrovertedness is like yeah i got no problem doing this because i i want to deflect everything away from my own shit fair enough fair enough uh, uh you and your friends obviously within the friend circle especially for the show uh you're all close friends and extroverted to one another because you're comfortable with each other and there's no real restraint there. Mm -hmm. Are you the quiet one when there's a new person introduced into the equation that isn't a close friend? Ooh, that's a weird thing, man. Cause I feel like we're a weird group of friends in that uh, we are all pretty extroverted. Generally, I would say maybe, yeah, that I am. Probably. I think I think the way the caveat that I would give that is um, if I don't care to be involved in it. That is the most introverted shit I have ever heard in my life. That is. Yes, you're an introvert. That is definitely a strong introverted thing, because I find that introverts quite often 
have an easier time just saying, I don't want part in this and removing themselves while an extrovert almost struggles at removing themselves. Like something is always pulling them back. And it's like, I would like to get the fuck out, but I'm stuck in this fucking conversation loop that I can't exit. Well, I get that too, man. Cause like uh, my wife gets on me about this all the time. It's like, whenever we're at like a wedding or something like that, I have to like flip on extroverted me where it's like, anytime there's somebody that needs to be talking about something, I'm like, I'm the guy that you could be talking to. Oh yeah. I'm that nightmare. I'm I'm that guy. See, but also I wouldn't go to a fucking wedding. You know, like, fuck a wedding. I'm the guy who goes to the house party late as it's ending and just talks to the stragglers. <laughs> well, all right. So reverse the situation that we're in right now. Like, uh, you reached out and we're like, hey, what's up? Does anybody want to hang out? Like, let's just talk for a little bit. If you were just like, this this motherfucker just wanted to see if I wanted to talk for a couple hours, would you have been like, yeah, let's do it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's happened often. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say that's pretty extroverted in and of itself. Oh, hell yeah. I'm so unbelievably... Oh, wait. We're, we're, we're backwards now. <laughs> yeah, we, we established that you're the extrovert. Yeah, yeah. I'm super extroverted. I'll talk to anyone whenever. If I had to choose, one-on-one is the way to do it. That's why yeah. I would sooner go to the party late and wait for the stragglers because those are the people who have the deepest thoughts, are at the most mellow level to have them without getting antagonistic, and are the funnest to talk to. We're alone. or one-on-one. So can I ask you this? We brought this up recently. Do you have last man at the party syndrome? Hell no. No? No. I also have to get the fuck out of there before that moment occurs. Because the last, last, last stragglers are the problem. There's a sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And like the last three people, those are like the problematic people who just don't want the party to end. That's why they're still there. Usually avoiding them while talking to the the mellow stragglers. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to interact with those people. And once the mellow stragglers leave, I'm stuck with fucking Chad over here. <laughs> That's interesting because I was going to say, I feel like I fucking have the last straggler. Last Your the Chad? I, I fucking hope not. But uh, who knows? Maybe I am. Maybe I just came to a realization about the fact that they were like, oh, can this guy get the fuck out of here? Yeah, dude. Never be the last one because you're the one who like everybody else is gone. We don't want to say fucking go home, but get the fuck out of here. You know, like. Well, I see. I feel like what happens is tell me this is what's happening now. We just keep going and going and going and bouncing off each other. And then uh, next thing we know, it's four o'clock in the morning. And we're like, oh, I guess I'll see you later, man. Fair enough. Now that you say that, how long have we been in here? Oh, no, we just cut the mark. Fair enough. Now it's up to whenever the hell you want to close it. We've hit the hey, bench. I, what I was going to say up top was this this weekend, it was, it, I thought it was going to be like a chill fucking weekend. I was going to be alone by myself because my wife's at a bachelor party, a bachelorette, bachelorette party. She's not at a bachelor party. She's not the entertainment. Uh, she's in Phoenix for the weekend. And I thought like, yeah, I'm just going to chill, play Xbox for the weekend. I've got nothing else to do. And then like a week before this weekend, one of my friends that I haven't talked to in like five years is like, yo, do you want to come down to Orlando this weekend to do like an in-person fantasy football draft? And I was like, sure, why not? So on Saturday, tomorrow, I'm leaving at 9.30 in the morning to go to Orlando for 20 hours. I'm going to Disney World, my friend's house for a fantasy football draft, coming home. And then like on Wednesday, you chimed in and we're like, yo, does anybody want to do a podcast <laughs> on Friday night? And I was like, Sure, why not? So this went from being like the, the chillest weekend ever <laughs> to being like, 
I, I'm jumping onto a podcast on Friday evening, waking up the next morning, going to, going to Orlando for 20 hours, and then coming back. But now that's kind of nuts, because like, even the show you jumped on in isn't like a particularly... I guess the discussion itself is mellow, but the, the thoughts we need to go through are sort of the, the loud ones. <laughs> the loudest of loud. The loudest of loud. Do you struggle outside of your friends having lengthy long discussions um i would say no as long as it's interesting <laughs> what is the longest discussion without counting this one that you've had in the last five years oh jesus christ I... <laughs> that's a really good conversation i don't know uh, like does that count my parents too uh yeah it could if it's one stable ongoing discussion Rather than it breaks up, you come back later and continue to have like one unbreaking discussion. What is the longest you've had in the last five years? Has it been more than half an hour? Oh, yeah, for sure. More than an hour? I would say probably around there, yeah. Around the hour mark? And how often? More than five, less than five? In the last five years? Yeah. One a year? Uh, probably, I would say it's probably right around there. That's crazy, right? Why is that? I've, I don't know. I feel like it. it, it like you're we're like we're doing right now, you find a, an instance where you want to just get into it with somebody. Do you actively seek it or you just wait until it happens naturally? I'm just down for it. You're just down for it? You ain't looking for it? No, I'm all right with it. Fair, fair. You, so you're kind of follow the flow. Like if it's cool to talk about, let's do it. What if it's highly uncomfortable? You're not fascinated by that? Well, what do you mean by uncomfortable? Well, in this conversation, I've successfully failed to make you uncomfortable, but fair, fair enough. You still haven't answered the very first question. You dodged that hard. But other than that, like... Wait, wait. What was the very first question? Which one do you, do you prefer, whether the baby shaking or the baby raping? You totally wiggled your <laughs> way out of that one. No, I, I didn't wiggle my way out of it. I said I gave my answer by the way I described my, my response. Whatever causes the least harm. Whatever is mm -hmm. the most good. As, as a good lawyer, I said it depends. But... I think the point is, like, if it if it's if it feels right, let's get to it. That's fair. That's fair. And do you? How often do you fight with your friends in like a legit argument? Oh, all the time, man. That's my. That's uh. That's Are you probably... the argue guy? Yeah, man. That's the the reason that that might be the reason that I'm a lawyer. I don't know. Like, I uh have been told multiple times by my wife to just be like, you know, you don't have to just disagree for the sake of disagreeing. You too. <laughs> well, maybe that's why we're we're past the two hour mark and we're okay, man. Fair, fair. Because I I I agree that you do have to do that because agreeing gets us nowhere. Yeah, well, we we, he, we take action. The end. But well, like, what about thought wise? You, you talked about philosophy up front on this. Here's here's my philosophy on this. If you if you can't defend your point of view on something if you can't be okay with understanding that there's another side to it you might be wrong or somebody else has the opposite perspective on it then you're an idiot like that's all there is to it i agree 100 percent. yeah like at the very least you can understand that there is another point point of view if you don't agree with it, that's fine. But if you can't accept that there is one... You have just actively described my entire problem with society right now. <laughs> As I'm sure you've realized through the course of this conversation, I don't care if you're 
a good ba- a good guy, a bad guy, if you're moral, if you're amoral, if you worship God, if you fucking worship Satan, if you don't worship anybody, if you're misogynistic or a feminist or like fucking I don't I don't care. I don't care. I think your point of view is a point of view, and a point of view is information, and all information is good information, whether I agree with the information or not. We live in a society where if I don't agree with you, I can't talk to you. Also, I can't be your friend, and I'm going to shun you and everybody who agrees with you in one shot so that I can get my little confirmation bias bubble going. If that was the case, I wouldn't be able to talk to my parents or my best friend. (laughs) So I've had to deal with that for a long time. But you can handle it. Yeah, I mean, if you can handle it, then fuck you. Are you usually the one holding back because you're around people who can't handle it? And they would be like, for example, would your dad who has a belief be stubborn about his belief? And even if you don't agree, you know, you got to kind of pull back because if you go too far, he's the one who's going to explode. Oh, yeah, because I understand that. So then you always have to hold back a little because you're the elevator one who knows. <laughs> Elevated is generous. But yeah, I mean, to an extent. Yeah. And to to give my dad credit, as like we don't agree on most things. Even though there might be that explosion, he'll always come back and be like, I got what you're saying. Or, uh, sorry if I got out of hand. How do you feel about emotions? <laughs> I had them. If you had to say your uh, thought to emotion ratio, what is more dominant? I'll probably thoughts, man. Do you, do you not feel the same with yourself? You think that if... Yeah, I feel yeah, I guess in my case. Do you feel most people fall under that? Um it's 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 tough because like fall under versus what you're more prevalent with because I feel like there's a difference between being emotional and being thoughtful and which one controls, right? Uh-huh. Or which one you're more comfortable with. You could be more comfortable with one and still be more controlled by the other. You could be more thoughtful inherently but in with enough emotion given to you Let's I feel control. like we talked about this way back up top when we were talking about shaking the babies. Did we? Yeah, when it was like, hey, I'm not comfortable with you expressing yourself. So uh, I'm going to break your neck so we don't have to deal with this. What? We didn't have that conversation? I think that was part of our, our baby shaking discussion. What? I, I was the one who was... Where, yeah, where did I stand on that? Part of the, the, baby, the baby shaking discussion was like, hey, you're expressing your emotions and I don't know how to deal with this. So I'm going to oh, shake you. Oh, shit. Yes, we totally did. I actually believe... Yeah, fair enough. I do believe most people land so on that. So we're, we're back on that, man, because it's like, how do you deal with that? And because I'm someone who doesn't know how to deal with that, I'm going to shake and not think about it and kill my child. Fair enough. In which case, statistically speaking, by bringing it back... The fact that there aren't way more baby shakes means most people are probably using their rational mind to suppress their emotional state. So you've beaten my argument with my own argument. There we go. That was some hard lawyering right there. I'd like you to bring this back up at the beginning of the podcast. I'd like you to loop that in and be like, hey, shaking the baby, you won. Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. You brought it right back and you you definitely... uh, I'm impressed that you beat my argument with my argument. That's that's some real lawyer shit right there. To listen carefully and then remember it and be like, oh, yeah. But I remember you said the opposite before. Yeah. Especially since I'm half a bottle of bourbon down since when we started this. Uh, 
Fair. But what, what I was going to say to you about the uh, bringing back the no, I lost it. Baby shaking, Bring... emotions, anger, thoughts, controlling the anger. Where are we at? No, I feel like we're back to the beginning. We, we shouldn't be back to the beginning. But uh, with us being now, bring me back to where we were. I lost it. I was so I was so uh, satisfied with my victory. That was uh, that's what acid feels like. <laughs> you have a thought, and it's always just just right out of reach, and it feels like you're always right back where you started. That's acid, just summed up right there. Everything feels like you're in a loop. You exist in a loop. And the you, the mind-boggling revelation is right there. And you just can't get it. The second you as, – as long as you're not thinking about it, it's vivid in your head. The moment you focus on it, it's like it's not there. So having experienced all those higher power drugs, what's your feeling on just drinking? Because I noticed you haven't joined me in all this. Oh, no. I'm in a studio right now. There's no – I have no alcohol here. You want some wine? That would be fucking amazing. What are you drinking? What you got there? Uh, this is called Bib and Tucker. Never heard of it. No, uh, it is It is from, I think it's from California, actually. It's bourbon. No, not bourbon. It's got to be from Kentucky. So just whiskey. Bourbon is exclusively from Kentucky? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to be from Kentucky to be bourbon. Whoa. You've blown my I... mind. And you got to be from Ireland to be Scotch. No, no, no. Scotland. Scotland. What the fuck did I think Ireland? Of course, Scotch. Wait, no. This says Columbia, Tennessee. I could have sworn this was from California. No, it says bourbon. Holy fuck. There we go. I'm drinking bourbon. Um, there we go. I was somehow right and wrong simultaneously, which also is what acid is. <laughs> so what you're saying is I should try more drugs. You should definitely not try more drugs. You should try psychedelics. All right. So uh, what's, your, what's your philosophy on mushrooms? Hell yeah, do them. Don't do too many. You could die. If you're scared of dying or taking too many, do acid. It would be impossible to overdose on it. Oh, so you think acid is more safer than mushrooms? Hell yes, by miles. There is no damage that your body is going to take from it. With mushrooms, you're relying on getting poison to have the trip. Interesting. With acid, the potency of astoundingly low dosage allows you to have a fuck ton of it, have no adverse reaction, and if you tried it the next day, it would literally do nothing, and there's no amount of it you could acquire that would get you high the next day, so tolerance is built in and you can't escape it you have to wait like six months so interesting so definitely acid if you have addictive personality do acid if you have a quantity problem do acid if you can handle <laughs> all those things do mushrooms you could potentially feel sick depending on your body's makeup everybody's a little bit different because again you're poisoning your body to get the high mm. oh and you asked me if i did dmt so. yes that is a mind fucking half i i so from and again don't hate me for having listened to this but the joe rogan talks about it all the time why would i hate joe rogan i i feel like people have a certain thought about him and his listeners here's here's the problem with people who listen to joe rogan and then feel angry about joe rogan they are fans first <laughs> don't check all his workout and then he brings in somebody of an opposite opinion. And then they're like, fuck that guy. Yeah. That's how it goes. So he brings in a Republican that you you love. He brought in Ben Shapiro. And you're like, oh, shit. Now I'm going to start listening to Joe Rogan. He brings on Republicans, conservatives. This is what we're going to do. Listen to some Ben Shapiro. Next guest he's going to bring is going to be on that same vein. He brings in a scientist. And you're like, well, it's not the same thing, but it's fine. And then he <laughs> brings in Bernie Sanders. And you're like, 
Oh shit. Oh, he's a I sellout. I was here when he was a Republican, but they converted him. Or you come in at Bernie and you're like, oh yes. Talking about that independent democratic mindset, the people and all this stuff, and you're all on board. And then he brings Alex Jones and you're like, he sold out. <laughs> and then he brings in Tulsi Gabbard. I don't know what to think. Exactly. And it's like, well, you were a fan. You just you were only a fan while he was supporting your bubble. Yeah, I, I love Joe Rogan. He's just an idiot that talks to everybody. Yes, and he's totally not an idiot. That's the best part. He's kind of began that way, and he's still a bro at heart, which is what yeah. makes it through. I think I think that's what it is. He's a, he's a bro that like has no whatever. Exactly. But since the start of the show, he's had a little over a thousand two hundred discussions. Assuming the people who've repeated have repeated less than a hundred times, uh, with collectively between all of them, he has. Who's your, who's your favorite guest? I love when Neil deGrasse Tyson comes on because of how antagonistic Ooh. they are to one another. Oh, I thought you were going to say Duncan Trussell. Duncan, I love Duncan Trussell. <laughs> but no, I love to hear it because. Uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is an antagonistic, stubborn moron who swears he has all the answers for crap that other scientists have proven wrong already. He's a little pompous. Yes. And Rogan's ability to tame him is so lovely because not many people shut him the fuck up. And I just enjoy watching Rogan just like close him down once in a while. I like that. Because <laughs> he deserves yeah. it. He doesn't shut the hell up. He really swears he's God. I do like Neil deGrasse Tyson, though. I love Neil deGrasse Tyson. I like the shit that he talks about. Yes, but also he swears he's more right than he actually is. Well, I think the problem is he's, I feel like he's the Joe Rogan of minor minor science enthusiasts. I guess. He's like, hey, you should be enthusiastic about this. I'm the person that's going to shepherd you through this experience. I knew the grass ties. The problem with that is, and I'm a fan of Star Talk, <laughs> but the problem with that is that he confidently sells crap that other scientists have active research papers disputing that have been peer reviewed and agree he's fucking wrong. But he's so convinced he's right that if he hasn't proven it himself yet, the problem is he's stubborn. He's not an idiot. He's one of the smartest minds this world has to offer. But also, yeah. he's is he, so stubborn. But he's just fun to listen to. Hell yes. Especially when he's with Chuck Nice on Star Talk. Hell yeah. That's a great give and take. I love that. But he's kind of stubborn. It's annoying. It's yeah. both. It's, you know, it's both. When he's talking himself and he's Chuck Nice on his own show, fine. When you bring somebody who disagrees and they have a good argument, he's like, no, 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 no. I'm right because. Hmm. How do you that. feel about when he tries to disprove movies? When he does like the well, actually? Uh, okay. You feel like that ruins it for you? Hell or no. You like this expands my understanding of this. No, I know movies uh, rely on bullshit to make it work. Like that's part of the, like Alien is one of the greatest things that's ever happened. Also, there's so much shit inconsistent about Alien. But also science fiction, you know, it's not all science fiction. There's some bullshit in there, but like whatever. It doesn't need to be 100% real. I'm with you. So you're into soft science fiction. Into soft science fiction? Yeah, soft as opposed to hard. Oh, soft. I heard Saw, like the movie Saw. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? I've never heard of that shit. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't need something concrete and super solid, but also I love Star Trek because of how hard on to like 
the data that is. In fact, it predicted shit that later came true. That's how much research was done into the sciences, that it really created some of the things we have now, because people based the discoveries on that and were like, okay, well, if we have this and that, then that thing from Star Trek could happen. And like Neil was surprised about, we have sliding doors now. <laughs> that got me. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Do you, what's your favorite science thing right before we close this up? Mm. What is my favorite science thing? The Fermi paradox. The Fermi paradox. Do you know the hypothesis for that? Yeah. So the Fermi paradox means, or the, the, the paradox is that based on calculations of how many exoplanets there are in a solar system and how many solar systems there are in a galaxy, basically how many life-creating uh, environments there are approximated per galaxy in the universe, there is no way that there aren't an incredible amount of planets just like Earth that life exists on. Either life in general or intelligent life. Intelligent but, life. But we have seen none of it. Yeah. So the par the paradox is why have not why haven't we seen it? Yeah, there should be a crap ton of life. We see no life other than ourselves. Why is the case? Do you know what the hypothesis is for that? Oh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of scary ones and there's a lot of less scary ones. There's the Stephen Hawking's version of it is the scariest one, I think. It's like basically there's something that goes around winking out whatever form of life that pops up. It's like there is a dominant life form that is violent. Interesting. I've never heard of that one, but that kind of makes sense, especially if you consider the natural path that humans take, where we kind of destructive inherently. Mm -hmm. So if we apply that on a greater scale, maybe this bigger race isn't necessarily evil, but stopping anything dangerous, and they're the ones who broke out of the violent cycle, but that means that they have to be the most violent in order to stop something else yeah. from continuing the violent cycle. Mm -hmm. So that would make total sense. Have you ever heard of the zoo hypothesis? Um, stop me if, you're, if I'm wrong, but the zoo hypothesis might be different from – it's like a – a certain intelligent life form seeded the galaxy, if you will, with the basis of how you form life and how no. life creates. Okay. Yeah. The zoo hypothesis is where it's basically the first directive from Star Trek. Oh, you just let it go and you don't, you don't yeah. intervene until they find out. Exactly. You make sure they don't see anything that could influence them. So you stay out of sight and you just watch them and make sure that nothing external harms them until they acquire the technology you to discover you themselves. Exactly. Until they can discover you themselves and then you can no longer influence them. They've reached the point in which they are where the next space traveling whatever civilization is so yeah. that anything they have is relative to anybody else at that point. So uh, do, are you familiar with the thing that I was talking about where basically there is uh, imagine there's basically our version of a scientist god figure. Yes. That what they did was they went around and spread the the building blocks of life throughout whatever planetary systems are out in the yeah external it's a parts mass of, seeding of these, process. Yeah, and they just say, "Hey, here it goes. It all starts here. We're gonna see what happens with life." Yeah, yeah. I've heard. I don't know what the name of that hypothesis is, but in that instant. The reason we haven't seen any life throughout the universe is because the spread happened 
about so at the same time everywhere. It's so slow, and we have to catch up and yes. find a way to so connect with each other. All, exactly, we're all at the same point. You, uh, you want to, actually? You want to know what my actual favorite one is? Go for it. We're so disproportionate in the way that we see each other that whatever alien life form that would be able to find us would view us the way that we view ants, and that that is totally a possibility. Worth it's not even worth communicating with it, it, it they wouldn't even know how to communicate with us i my favorite is along the lines of what you're saying except the ants part which is what i thought you were going now do you think a cloud is a living thing no right it's just a thing wandering about sky the sky and it merges and breaks apart and it's just it's not thinking it's just big water yeah <laughs> fantastic if i had to describe it i would say it's big water yeah like nestle so in that case if you were to look at a life form mm-hmm. or look for a life form and it evolved without the exact same circumstances that we did which required water and heat yeah it took a different road entirely mm-hmm. what would that even look like and if we were looking dead at it would we know that that is a conscious thing like is is it would we say that's even alive it could look like a rock and we're like well there's nothing but rocks on this planet and we get late feedback so it doesn't look like it's moving or anything and it says well no it's fucking that's just what it is but like trees are alive and they don't move by our own perspective not in the time scope that we're looking at them in but if you put a tree on a time loop You'll see the weirdest movements happening naturally by it. Okay. If we were to do that same thing on a planet, would we just see the weirdest shit because we weren't thinking that this thing is alive because we're looking at it from the wrong perspective? We don't know how to relate to it. Exactly. We have no point of view to shift to. Well, I I will say it, it would be like the way that we observe. Do you remember back when you were like 10 years old and they were like, can you imagine if they found water on mars because that would mean there's life and now it's like yeah there's water on mars yeah so uh, you have to contextualize it with the way that we understand science as it relates to us the problem is that science as it relates to us we're always looking for us which is why we miss everything so it would be one is it a living being uh, like whether it be like multi-cell organisms or something that's intelligent enough to communicate with us so if it was like we went to this place and there were like trees that said peace and we were like oh shit they know we're saying hi yeah because the thing would be to say multicellular organism is already a question that we have to question like does that statement make sense outside of the only place we know cells came to be what if there's something that isn't even cellular, that isn't using proteins and atoms and chemicals and compounds in ways we couldn't comprehend? Does cellular make sense as a statement? All right. I'm, I'm with you. As we wind down here, let me recommend a science fiction book because I know you don't like fantasy. I recently read, are you familiar, are you familiar with The Martian? The Martian, yes. Uh, so Andy Weir wrote a book called Project Hamlary. Have you read that? No. That should be the next book you read. Fair. It, it, it touches on what we're saying. And it does it in the most enter- entertaining and compelling way that I've ever read a science fiction book doing. You're selling me on this real hard. 
You should. I don't want to spoil anything. I want to talk to your listeners and be like, listen, if you want to hear an intriguing story about somebody that stretches the limits of intelligence and that in the in the realm of the discussion that we've just had, you should check out this book. And actually, I don't normally recommend reading something on audiobook, but it's worth checking it out. Fair enough. And for most people who aren't even going to bother picking up a book, if it's on audiobook and you're highly recommending it to that degree, better there than not at all. It actually improves the experience. No say. fucking way. I don't believe that at all. I 100% stand by that. Like there's, I, I've, I generally think that my imagination is better than the way that somebody can read it out loud, but the way that they chose to portray this in audiobook. Are you serious? Holy pure, shit. Pure genius. Uh, partially because like a lot of the way that the uh, communications in the book happen are via like sounds that are hard to conceptualize. They add those. It's not just a reading. Yeah. Yeah, oh. uh, that's the only way that I can say it without spoiling anything. Interesting. And, it's more like a like an audio drama. Yeah, actually, yes. I, I seriously have not enjoyed as many things that I have enjoyed that the way that book the way that I enjoyed it in a very long time. That's fucking awesome, dude. Couldn't put it down. What was the name again? Write this down. Project Hail Mary. Project Hail Mary. Yeah, by Andy Weir. The guy who wrote The Martian. Yes. It's his most recent book. Interesting, interesting. I'll give that a shot. That's fascinating. I appreciate right. that a lot. All right. And I say definitely it? go go check out Choke. That's That was my recommendation at the beginning is if you want more Chuck without walking away <laughs> scarred, that's the way to go. All right. Are we closing this shit down? We're closing it down. Yeah. Let everybody know where they can find you, any of your plugs, any of your socials, all the homie socials, anything that is relevant to what you guys are pushing. All right. So this is a tough one for me because I'm I'm the host. I'm not the, the social media guy, but it's Polite Disagreements on Facebook, on Instagram. I think we're actually Polite Disagreements at Gmail. If you want to email us, I don't know if we'll respond to you, but come check us out. Fair enough. You don't know if you're going to respond to them. Fantastic. <laughs> And pretty much, you as I searched it up, you guys are, I don't know, are you the one putting it up everywhere? Um, I'm Not me personally. I, I do nothing besides edit it and post it, and then I just send it out into the ether. But uh, Yeah, because I found it kind of everywhere. So you guys are doing a good job of distribution, so you can find yeah, it on all platforms. Yeah, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find a podcast. With it. Yeah, perfect, perfect. So, dude, look, tell me this is the best, most random thing you've done. Probably slightly most disturbing in a while. I gotta say, I had a lot more fun than I thought I was gonna have. What did you think you were coming into? I had no idea. Alex was just like, "Hey, man, some guy messaged us about like having a conversation about a podcast, and Dan's not free. So, do you think you can handle it?" He said he wanted somebody that is is uh, up on random information. I was like, "Okay, sure, I can do it." Yeah, I actually didn't. Ex <laughs> I didn't expect you to be as random. A lot of people tend to sort of collapse halfway through the show. Like, if you start listening to a guest episode, you make it about halfway, you, you see that they're, like, getting apprehensive, and then later they kind of loosen up again, because it does kind of get more intense to the point that we... But I opened up kind of heavy, so I guess that avoided it. Listen, man, I'm, I was right there with you. If anything, what I've learned from this is I'd love to have you on our podcast. That'd be fascinating, and I would definitely... If there's any one person that you remind me about, it's the guy that I talked about up top, my friend Mark, yeah. who dipped out of the podcast. You guys have that same quality about like we could talk about whatever for uh, whatever amount of time. For sure. <laughs> well, if you're still listening, 
I'm I'm glad that we stuck around. Hell yeah, man. This was fascinating. Your mind is a, a great place. I'm glad that as a lawyer, you managed to remain objective and a good person simultaneously. Debatable. I, I would argue. <laughs> I don't think it's debatable. I think you are definitely a, a particularly good person because you, you want to optimize the good while maintain while upholding the law at the same time rather than just upholding the law and taking the easy way out of whatever the hell happens happens you are weighing both which you don't have to you're a fucking lawyer you could dodge half of that and still get away doing the right thing which is Make follow the law doing it. yeah so you just follow the line and be like that is what it is get your paycheck and well fuck it but you do care and that's astounding you're not just a shark you're a shark with a golden heart or heart of gold, man. I don't even know what the term is. If one of those was right, that's a spaceship. And yes, and see, it's the problem is you were always walking around with the answer. Mm -hmm. So any question I had, you already had it on you. You could have just raised your arm up every time I had a question. I would have been like, "Yeah, you're right." All right, so guys, this is episode number forty-two. <laughs> Great. Do you, how? I didn't even realize how many. You number your episodes, right? What, what episode are you guys on? You guys on? Uh, we're gonna release number fifty next, I think. What did you do for forty-two? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, we're on the same boat. I have no idea what I've done. <laughs> I don't remember what like three episodes ago was. That's why the only one I could reference was last time's episode. I will say I'm pretty impressed by the fact that you guys are like hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're about to hit uh one forty right now. All right. Well, hey, we're closing it out, but. Let's let's say this. I'd like to come on again and talk to you about how the fuck you started this shit. Hell yeah, dude. I'll talk to you about whatever the hell you want to talk about. Definitely. We'll talk. Uh, we'll bring you back in in the future and probably get some social media or something so you're easier to reach. Let's do it. Yeah, man. I appreciate you being here, dude. This is fucking phenomenal. And, uh, you know, stay in touch. I'm going to stay in touch. I'm going to use the email to let you know, inform you when this is coming out. Uh the socials, whoever was showing the social will get a, a hold of the links that go up on Instagram. It goes up on Facebook. It goes up on Twitter and all the places. And you can go and listen to yourself work around questions. Let's do it. Hell yeah, dude. It was a real good time having you, dude. Enjoy your night. See you next time. Take care, man. Okay, so like that's pretty badass, right? Yeah, finally the solutions, not the sh the solution, I guess the better option between baby shaking or baby death. No, that's not it. Baby shaking. Baby shaking and, and baby raping. Yeah. Oh, I hate talking about how fucked up that is. But we finally know. I don't even know how the fuck, bro, look, I hate that topic. It mm -hmm. sucks. But also, I can't stray away from how fucked up it is. It's pretty awful. Greg is a rational person because when it came to the the vegetable with no conscious brain activity. Oh, yeah. He's like, fucking okay. kill him. Whatever. Yeah. Like it, does, it ultimately doesn't Unless matter. Unless it's in his... Um, in his will. In his and will. that's where his inner lawyer comes out. And it's yeah. Like, well, no, you know, law. Yeah. Which is fair. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. This is a fascinating man, Greg. He is definitely an interesting person. Definitely one of my favorite conversations, which Pretty I say fun. often, but I guess all the guests we have are just better They're than just the last fun always. fun people. They are. Just... I think I'm always just most excited about whatever conversation I'm actively having. Because mm -hmm. I'm informed from all the others, and now this one involves all that information plus new. Yes. So it's like, whatever conversation I'm currently having, I guess I it's always the think is conversation. the best. Yeah, I just like conversation. Yes. It's, I mean, it's just conversation. Anyways, if you like that discussion, you can find the 
Polite Disagreements podcast, where Greg spends his time. Again, you could find that anywhere. You listen to podcasts, you could find that on Spotify, you can find that on Apple Podcasts, you can find that on Facebook, you can find their socials, which is, I guess, Facebook again, and you could find... Uh, and on, on Instagram. On Instagram at Polite Disagreements Podcast. And uh, as for us, you could find us wherever you get your podcasts as well, especially the uh, official website, GreatThoughts.info, but also Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere. And you can reach us on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Just Convo Pod. Yes, and remember to subscribe and rate. And if you feel so inclined, review the show. And let someone who might like this show know about it. Yes, word of mouth is the most powerful thing that has ever existed in the history of humanity. Morgan Freeman spoke, and thus the universe exists. So that's how that happens. And additionally, actually, you guys can find me having absurd conversations with complete strangers on uh, the Stereo app. Yes. And uh, you can find uh, the Stereo app, uh, us on the Stereo app, at Just Convo Pod, like anywhere else. So awesome. be sure to uh, look for me there. If you're interested in hearing me casually hop on and off, just follow me there. And uh, you can catch me having conversations with people. Cool. This has been the Just Convo Pod. Take nothing personal, and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Fascinating. You're an intimate and faster. So am I. That is just an interesting <laughs> little detail. I also do not have breakfast. My first meal is roughly 1 p.m. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually the same way. I didn't expect these sound tests to lead right into the podcast. <laughs> but, but, but here we are. Nope, yep. Like I said, as soon as you finish saying that, we're in. Yeah. And, and in we are. So, yeah, it, it wasn't. That's not really something. I'm, I'm not like super uh crazy about regulating that it's just uh i feel full until then i'm fine yeah it's actually healthier for you anyways the just conversation podcast is hosted by christina Colazo and jack thomas produced by lynn taylor and published by great thoughts info art by zero lupo and logo by seth McAllister. with social media managed by amber black